listening to Zap Night, a video game review podcast. Join your hosts as we review video games from all systems and all genres. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Zap Night. I'm your host, Danny. I'm your co-host, Kaylee. Kaylee, we are on episode 81, and we're talking about Final Fantasy X. It's, It's been a long time coming. And guys, strap yourselves in for a long podcast, because <laughs> these typically are pretty long. We're going to do our best to go over the story <laughs> somewhat quickly, but um, if at any point you wish to skip past the story, I'll put a timestamp uh, in the description so that you know where you need to go to. I'll let you know when we're going to start talking <laughs> about the story. But we did finish it uh, within the month, which is good. Yay. Sometimes we have to take two months to do it, but um, I think we did pretty good this month. My final time was like, I should have pulled up the official numbers, yeah. but it was like 40, 42 or 43 hours and yours was like 41, yeah. something like that. So, you know, around the 40 hour yeah. mark. Which is pretty normal for a Final Fantasy, especially early Final Fantasies. Um, I th- think the later ones get a little longer. Um, but, I don't know. Uh, I was kind of expecting this game to be a lot longer. And we kind of went through it pretty quick. Yeah. It felt like it went really quick. Yeah. To me, anyway. I, it, by the end, I was recording my time and I'm like, wow, it doesn't seem like it was 40 hours. <laughs> I think there was a moment about halfway through where I looked at how many hours I had in it. And I'm like, is that right? Does that say 20? I'm like, huh. <laughs> you know, I did hit some stuff that I was like, man, I thought this was later in the game. Because like some of the stuff that you do in the beginning, I was like, I thought this was like halfway game stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So the game is developed by Squaresoft back before it was Square Enix. But Final Fantasy X was released on the PS2 in 2001. And then they decided to remaster it for just about every game system <laughs> after, like, 2008. So they released it um, on the PS3, the PS4, the Vita, the Switch, the Xbox One, and um, I think Steam has it as well. And the Xbox One version and the Switch version were just released in 2019. So, I mean, they're still pushing this game out. As Square has been known to do (laughs) with all of their games, they just, like, keep releasing them over and over again. Money, 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 Yeah, and I mean, it it makes sense because people keep buying it. So, I mean, who are they to deny people, you know... Who are they to deny money? Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are going to talk about the story. Like I said, if you want to skip it, you absolutely can. But as I've said in every single Final Fantasy, I gleamed so much more from this story than I ever have before. I mean, unless you've sat down and you've watched videos about Final Fantasy X's storyline and, you know, maybe it's your favorite game and you know everything about Final Fantasy X. But otherwise, from like a casual point of view, playing it this time around, I picked up so much stuff and we're going to go over, you know, maybe some theorizing too along the way of what actually is going on in the universe of Final Fantasy X that isn't 
explicitly told during the story. Um, so, you know, if, if that's your cup of tea, come along for the ride. Otherwise, feel free to skip to the timestamp below. But we're going to do our best to go over the story without, um... Messing up. (laughs) Well, yes, always. But I was going to say without giving too many details, because we don't need to sit and go over every single minute detail. So if we've skipped over something, it's either intentional or... Or we just screwed up. <laughs> Either way, you wouldn't know a difference. Just guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first off, you play as Titus. Titus is this famous blitzball player in this huge city of Xanarkin. It's kind of like a futuristic um, New York, I'd say. Kind of like it's like its world. own thing. Yeah, it's, it really is its own like architecture, it's a very but futuristic, very heavily like neon lights, full just yeah, yeah, just it is kind of futuristic, but like in its own in its realm. own like yeah, its own thing. It's not like what we establish yeah. as futuristic like robots and stuff, yeah. but it's more of like a. It's almost like an Atlantis futuristic yeah, concept. Kinda, yeah, kind um, of, yeah. In any case, Titus is heading to a very special Blitzball tournament commemorating his father who recently, well, not recently, he <laughs> disappeared 10 years ago, and this is like his 10-year disappearance anniversary, maybe, something like that. Um, and the announcers kind of go over that as you're walking through the crowds. Um, but after pushing through the, cr- the crowds, Titus makes his way to the stadium. And while p- he's playing, this huge monster emerges from the, the ocean on the outskirts of town and begins firing these energy balls at the city. Titus falls out of the water and falls off of the stadium, but then runs into Orin, who is kind of been his like mentor and caretaker for the past 10 years since his father left. He runs into Orin and helps Titus get through the city. Titus and Orin get sucked into this monster and Titus washes up on shore in the, the middle of these ruins, kind of in the middle of the ocean. He gets trapped inside the ruins while exploring and run into a, a group of people that speak a different language. He doesn't really understand what they're talking. He ends up getting knocked out, and he wakes up on board their ship and is able to talk to one of the people on board whose name is Riku. She's very confused about his backstory with Xanarkin and explains that Xanarkin was destroyed a thousand years prior, she kind of talks about sin a little bit and how sin can give toxins if you get too close and make your ha- your your brain fuzzy and your memory fuzzy. But she gives him advice to not really talk about being from Xanarkin. It's a holy place. Yeah, well, <laughs> I it was more of a... Well, that's what it, she says. Oh, it's a she, holy oh, place. Oh, yeah, and then it's taboo to kind of yeah. talk about that thing. Yeah. Uh, Riku offers to take him to Luca, uh, hoping that he'll find someone that he knows. That's what they play Blitzball, because he tells her. Right, yeah, because of the Blitzball yeah. thing. Exactly. So um, she offers to take him to Luca and hope to help him get home. Um, but Sin ends up attacking the ship, and Titus gets tossed overboard. If you don't know the history of Final Fantasy X, Sin is this like enormous whale monster that pops up and 
destroys things from time to time. Uh, Riku kind of explains this to Titus while he's on board the ship, but he's already experienced Sin once when he is like sucked up into him, and obviously Sin was the one firing energy balls right. upon the city, but also he's seeing it now on the boat. Um, he ends up waking up on the uh, on the beach where he gets hit in the head with a blitz ball. And when he looks up, he sees Waka, who is this Blitzball team captain. Titus does this like super awesome move with the with the Blitzball, and they're all like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and and the <laughs> the team really needs someone to join to make them better. Yeah, the so, tournament is coming up. So Waka Waka is the captain of a Blitzball team on the island that Titus woke up on in Besaide. And Waka needs help with his team. He explains to Waka that he got too close to Sin to try and explain away some of the inability to understand the basic stuff of the world. But Waka also offers to take Titus to Luca in exchange for Titus agreeing to join the Blitzball team. Uh, Waka takes Titus back to the Besaid village. Uh, where Waka take him to the temple to go greet the summoner. But Titus finds out that the summoner has been inside the temple for far too long and may be held up or in distress in yeah. some way. So Titus barges into the Cloister of Trials, which is this like holy area, and everyone is offended by this. He makes his way to the place before the the prayer room. Oh no, he runs into Waka first. He explains the summoner's tradition as a whole. Basically, the summoners go on this pilgrimage across the world to help defeat Sin, collecting aeons as they go, which is they they explain them as the faith that helps them summon the the aeons but he explains that summoners go on this pilgrimage and they're joined by guardians and the only people allowed in the temple are the summoners and the guardians waka and titus meet up with the other guardians inside the temple luca and kamari Lulu. oh yeah sorry lulu and kamari who did I say? Luca. Luca. <laughs> Luca? Luca and Kamari, um, who are guardians to the summoner Yuna. And just as Titus shows up, Yuna comes stumbling out of the Chamber of Faith, and then they all go straight outside so that Yuna can summon the Aeon. And the Aeon are really just like the traditional Final Fantasy summons, more or less. Yeah. Um, so she summons the one Valfor. And everyone's in awe, and Titus has never seen this before. That next day, because Titus is going on board the boat to go to Luca, and Yuna, with all the Guardians, are going on this pilgrimage, they all are on the same boat. So it's Yuna, Lulu, Kamari, Waka, and Titus, who's, you know, not really a Guardian yet. You also find out at some point that Waka is also a guardian. So Lulu, Kimari, and Waka are all guardians for Yuna. This is Waka's last tournament because he's quitting Blitz after this. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he did. He does kind of talk about that a little bit. They all board the boat and they start heading towards Luca. But first, they have to stop in Kilika because Yuna has to collect the Aeon in the Kilika Temple. On their way to Kilika. 
they they run into sin again again and because they want to avoid sin going into Kilika, they fire harpoons at sin it doesn't really help they end up fighting Sin a little bit, but Sin breaks loose and charges Kilika full force, destroying the little village and killing all most of the people in the town. The boat does end up docking in, in Kilika. Yuna offers to do a sending ritual for all of the dead, which is something that they do. It's part of the lore of the entire world. So people die and they become fire pyreflies. Pyre and if their spirit stuck in the world and doesn't want to give up like hope. If it's, if it's not ready to accept death, it won't go to what they call the far plane. The far, right. And it will stay with that bitterness and it'll turn into a fiend. It'll it'll manifest itself and into a physical monster. The summoner's job is to make sure that they get what is called... Well, they use the sending, which is sending those pyreflies to the far plane where right. they can get rest. And that helps... Like, especially with a tragedy like this, where the whole village is wiped out, that helps the townspeople to not have as many fiends, but also they know that their loved ones have right. been, you know... They're in a good place. They're, they're sent to where they need to be, right? They make their way to the, the next temple, right? Yeah, they go to Kilika Temple, they end up fighting a sin spawn while they're there, which is basically like a piece of sin that breaks off and attacks people. Yuna gets Ifrit, and Titus actually ends up forced into the temple by Donna, who's this, like, another summoner. competing summoner. Yeah. You don't really see a whole lot of her, and I don't mention her again in the story, uh, but it was worth it just because Titus is forced into the temple yet again, kind of showing that he doesn't really care about their traditions, which is very... It's uh, forbidden. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, Titus was forced. Yuna still ends up getting Ifrit, and they make their way back to the boat and heads towards Luca. When they dock at Luca, they see all of the other Blitzball tournament players docking, as well as Maester Micah and Maester Seymour. Uh, Maester Micah is the Grand Maester of all of Yevon, which is their, like, religion slash government of Spira, which is the world that they live in. And Maester Micah, he's celebrating his 50th year as Grand Maester of Yevon. Basically, like, the 50th anniversary of him being president of the world, essentially. There's a lot of people here on this day. Right, yeah, this is a big, it's a, it's a tournament. Like, there's, yeah. there's people from all over, the, all over the world. It's a big deal to these people. And really, Blitzball as a whole is a big deal to these people because it's their only form of entertainment. Um, for the most part, they don't have Blitzball stadiums all over the world. They just have Luka. As Waka and the team are going in to do their tournament, Yuna ends up going missing, and Titus decides to go and hunt for her, which makes him miss the first game of the tournament with Waka, so Waka has to do it by himself. Titus finds Yuna and saves her from the Albed. Um, Yuna's safe, and Titus goes back to the, to do the second game, but Waka's too injured to be able to play. Although, halfway through, the crowd, like, entices him to come out, and he does play the second half 
of the second game to try and win the tournament. And you can win the tournament if you try hard enough and if you're really lucky of course not (laughs) did you i was really close oh really i didn't get a single goal and honestly the blitz ball thing is just a mess we'll talk more about it later but um yeah if you win this first blitz ball game you're really really lucky but anyway at the end of the game monsters start spawning in the stadium and that's when orange shows up and helps fight some of the monsters seymour summons his Aeon that goes around and kills all the little monsters that are remaining. The little. The little. I mean, they're, they're little monsters. Orin offers to join Yuna as a guardian. Um, it's important because when you first meet Yuna, they explain that Yuna's father actually defeated Sin at one point. And Sin always comes back in the end. But because he had defeated Sin... She now is following in his footsteps, and Orin was one of her father's guardians. Defeating Sin is a big deal to these people because, obviously, they get some peace between Sin's death. And during that time, summoners are pilgrimaging to collect all these aeons so that they can fight Sin to bring... Right. The, calm the calm is what they call it. The the period after Sin dies before he comes back. Um, and the last time the calm came, it was Yuna's father. And when you bring, as a summoner, when you bring the calm, you instantly become legendary status. You get statues erected in your name. You get, you know, all, all of your guardians are treated like royalty. And that's kind of the situation with Orin. He is like a legendary guardian because they fought Sin and won. And Orin's left to tell the tale, and he's roaming the, the countryside once again after a brief period of ten years that he was with Titus. And in between all of this, the more they talk about it, uh, the more they kind of start feeling like they both, both Titus and Yuna, know a jet, which is Titus's dad, but that was also Bras- Braska's other guardian that right. was accompanying. So they're starting to connect the dots that maybe this is the same jet that both of them know yeah 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 and i think that that's established pretty early i mean titus's father having disappeared 10 years prior to the story it lines up with the timeline of when they met exactly well and it lines up with the time frame of of you know sin being defeated last and you know so all these things kind of add up and they line up just right so you know titus kind of figures that he was on that that jet his dad was on the pilgrimage with Yuna's father and Orin 10 years prior continuing on Orin offers to be Yuna's guardian uh but the only stipulation was that Titus joins as well so Yuna now has a lot of guardians she's got Orin and Titus and then Lulu and Waka and Kamari. Uh, the group now needs to continue their pil- pilgrimage towards Jose Temple. While they're heading that way, they pass by Mushroom Rock, and the group encounters crusaders that are heading down towards the beach with a bunch of Albed. Now, we haven't talked about Albed a whole lot yet. The Albed are the weird language-talking people that... Um, that Titus and Titus at the beginning. They're kind of working together, which is abnormal in this situation because the Albed are... They're considered 
not allies to Yevon because they use what is considered forbidden, which is the Machina. Right. And Machina is kind of like an energy source. And Basically it's, machinery. Right. Right. And it's forbidden within the Yevon government. Yes. Uh, but because this group of people use it, they're like outcasts and actually hunted down almost to extinction. Um, so they're they're definitely repressed people. And so this is really an oddity to see the Crusaders who are um, fi- fighting sin in Yevon's name and the Albed fighting sin because it's the right thing to do, working together. Um, Seymour shows up and he really is just there to bear witness to uh, what's going on. And he allows this collaboration, which is, again, a weird situation. Um, the whole concept is that they are gathering, the, the Albed and the Crusaders are all gathering Sin Spawn from around the world to try to attract Sin to this location in an attempt to kill Sin, like force an assault upon Sin to try and kill him once and for all. However, the attack fails and the majority of the fighters die in the conflict. Yuna does perform ascending, but Seymour just kind of leaves. Seymour, you, you kind of get this like... He's not following the rules exactly. Yeah, but he also, he also has a flirtatious side to him towards Yuna where he's, he's favoring her a little bit. There's and, definitely an interest. And she, <laughs> she sees him as this maester to be... You know, this is a person revered, of higher, higher right. you know, power. <laughs> After the conflict, Seymour just kind of takes off and the group heads towards the uh, Doge Temple. They acquire Ixion and the group hears about uh, summoners going missing uh, while on their pilgrimage. Like, yeah, it's just kind of like little rumors here and there. Right. They head towards the Moonflow, which is kind of like this big uh, lake of pyreflies heading towards the far plane and the only way to cross this lake is by shoe puff which is a huge like elephant the best name for a monster ever want to ride the shoe puff shoe puffs uh while they're riding the shoe puff the Albed uses a machine and captures yuno titus and waka they jump, jump in yeah because yeah, they're like in the lake so they jump off destroy the machine and bring Yuna back to the surface. When they finally make it to the other side of the lake, they run into Riku, who was the person who helped Titus at the very beginning. Yeah, Titus recognizes Riku. She tells Titus that she was the one who was in that machine. (laughs) She goes over and talks to Yuna, and Yuna just immediately allows her to become a guardian. It's not really explained until much later, but the reality is that Riku is Yuna's cousin, and because of that simple fact alone, Riku's allowed in the group. And Orin, for whatever reason, allows it, even though Orin knows that she's part of the Albed group. Everyone seems to know except Waka. Yeah, and Waka (laughs) is just left in the dark. And the reason is because Waka is really... uh, He's a very... Faithful to the Yevon teachings. That's way better, way nicer than what I was going to... I was going to say that he's racist. Well... (laughs) Like, he's just flat out, like, horrible towards the Albed. There is an actual, like... 
uh, discrimination, but yeah, it's sure. more from the standpoint of those people use. He's very faithful to the Yevon teachings, and he knows that. And he even had a problem during the Crusaders and the Albed forming together because it was against teachings, right? And that was the whole problem he had with it from the beginning. So yes, they kind of hold Riku's lineage and Yuna's from him. Yeah, that's true. Yep. The party continues on to Guadalcanal, and as soon as they reach the area. Yuna's asked to meet with Seymour By the way, in his mansion. He gets around very quickly. He does, yeah. Like, he just he like has to be <laughs> flying, and I don't know how he could possibly be flying in those clothes. I know. Well, th- maybe that's all it is. He's maybe. like a kite. Yes. It's the hair. <laughs> the group goes to Seymour's mansion, and Seymour shows them this sphere, which is like a, a movie memory. They utilize thing. the pyreflies. Yep. Shows them Xanarkin, doesn't it? Yes. What they what they say it's supposed to look like before Sen showed up. Yeah, it shows Xanarkin and it also kind of goes over uh Lady Unaleska and her husband Lord Zeon, who was the first summoner to defeat Sen a thousand years ago. So the way that they're explaining it is that a thousand years prior to Spira, the world that Yuna grew up in, um, Sin came and destroyed Xanarkin. And Lady Unaleska showed up and used her summoning abilities to call an Aeon to destroy Sin. But ever since then, Sin has continued to come back. They you get know, the calm, but it still is regenerating. It comes, comes back every time, 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 every time. So after showing this sphere to the group, Seymour proposes marriage to Yuna. She doesn't really answer right away. Instead, she wants to visit the far plane to kind of think about it. The far plane is this place where all the fireflies go. And it's it's a physical location within Guadalcanal, who the Guado people are the protectors of the far plane. You're allowed entry, but really only Titus, Yuna, and Waka. Lulu too. Oh, Lulu goes in too? Um, They're the only ones who actually go in. Riku and Oren stay behind. Riku says... I don't think Kamari goes in either, does he? No, I think he does. Maybe he does to just watch over... Oren doesn't really give a reason, but Riku, she kind of explains that some people think that it's really the people that they're seeing. And some people think that the fireflies are just showing a memory and not actually they're, they're reacting to your memories. Of and she, her excuse is, well, I don't want to, it's just a memory. It's that's well, also, it's a sacred place to those people. And I think that she, she's out bed. She doesn't really care but she's respecting that sacred, yeah. you know, vibe of the place. While Yuna's in there, she sees her parents. While Waka's there, he sees his brother, um, Chapu. Chapu, yeah, who supposedly looks a lot like Titus, he though does he not. doesn't no, at all. Absolutely not. Titus goes in and expects to see his dad. However, instead, he sees his mom. This kind of makes you think that his dad is still alive. That Jet is still out there somewhere. On their way out, they run into Lord Jiskel, the Guado, who is actually Seymour's dad. 
he was well known uh, by this point you know that he had passed away because, recently because seymour took over his father's position after he died right his father's position as maester and he's now trying to break through from the far plane they explain that when that happens it's usually because they died an unclean death mm, yeah and in this case he drops uh, a sphere which kind of talks about how he he explains in the sphere because it's just a recording of himself but he does he does drop the sphere and you snatches it off the ground before anyone else really sees that he had dropped it they head back to seymour's mansion to tell seymour about his dad showing up but seymour had already left for makalania so the group kind of heads towards makalania in the meantime they're passing through the thunder plains riku's really afraid of thunder for uh, she got struck by lightning while she was yeah, in the swimming pool or whatever. <laughs> um, while they're stopped for a rest period, Taita walks in and catches Yuna watching that sphere. She doesn't explain anything, but before they leave the Thunder Plains, um, Yuna pulls everyone aside and declares that she's accepting Seymour's wedding marriage proposal. They head towards the Makalania Woods, and Orin finds a spot where he had stopped ten years ago on their last pilgrimage. Kind of cuts down that area. Yeah, right. Through Titus finds a video sphere left behind from Jet that shows snippets of their adventure while they were out, you know, on their pilgrimage. But also, there's a little there's a little snip of Jet trying to leave him a message of i love it's saying i love you but not in so many yeah. words just like hey how's it going i hope you're not a crybaby anymore i don't know that usual kind of stuff. stuff usual dad stuff and and i <laughs> guess also this is the point in time for jet that he is coming to terms with the fact that he's not going back to his xanarkin that he's stuck in spira and he's not going to be able to go back because it starts out that he was wanting to take snippets to show his kid and wife and then you kind of see him talking as these clips go on of him saying goodbye almost. Yeah, that's and that's just very talking true. Talking about yeah. stuff. Yeah, when you first see the snippets, there he's like, "Hey, I want to take video to show my kids yeah. when I get back." And then towards the end, it's more of a, "Hey, yeah, I'm not coming back." After they move on a little bit, Yuna is met by one of Seymour's Guado people, and they escort. They try to escort her to the Makalania temple. Um, however, an Albed ambushes them, essentially trying to stop their pilgrimage. It turns out that this person is Riku's brother, and his bro- her brother, her brother. What? His what name's brother. Oh yeah, that's true. His name her is brother. 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 Her brother. Brother. <laughs> this fact. And the way that they interact leads Waka to realize that Riku is in Albed. They're yelling at her, and she's yelling back in Albed. Right. <laughs> He's like, why do you know how to speak that that language? Right. So now Waka's all butthurt because they've been traveling with this Albed this whole time, and, you know, he, he really is upset. The group do end up going to the temple... They're they're trying to find Yuna because the the Guado had already rushed Yuna to to the temple, uh, but when they get there, they realize that Yuna has already gone inside the temple with Seymour. Uh, but while they're waiting for Yuna, one of the people in the temple run out saying that they had found... They King- found something in Yuna's possession. Right, yeah. Why were they going through her things? I don't know. Maybe she left it on the table. 
Um, <laughs> so they find, they find this Jeskull sphere, which really tells, it's a, it's a video recollection of Jeskull, again, Seymour's dad, that Seymour had killed him and really just warning whoever's watching the video that Seymour has a darkness and it could really destroy the world with this darkness to stop him at all costs. So because of this, the party runs in to find Yuna and confront Seymour. They ultimately end up killing Seymour. Now, this is not a very good thing to the Guado people. They carry, they carry Seymour's body out before Yuna can do her sending and the soldiers start chasing the party out of the temple. While trying to flee, the party fall into a broken section of the Lake Makalania, which is uh, this like huge frozen lake. They fall inside a broken section, which is hollow for whatever reason. Yuna is able to tell the party that she was really just trying to get Seymour to turn himself yeah. in from this horrible thing that he has done by agreeing to marry him. As they start exploring their surroundings under the lake, uh, they kind of realize that they're on top of Sin who is attracted to the Hymn of the Faith. Now, the Hymn of the Faith is a temple song that is sung by all of Sphira, not even just the Yevon people, but like even the yeah. Albed sing it for whatever reason. But when the song stops, Sin starts to move, and the party falls unconscious, waking up a desert. <laughs> Naturally. So I, you fall into a lake and wake up in the desert. I don't really understand what happened at this moment in time. I... I always kind of thought that Sin was nearby and somehow they knew and then an earthquake happened and this earthquake caused them you know, to fall into the water and get yeah. washed up ashore. I don't I know. I think that's what happened because it makes sense because you technically you wake up in the sand, the desert, but you're on a beach. Right. And you did fall into the frozen lake. So it's strange. You wake up controlling only Titus at the edge of a desert. Uh, and you're able to hunt down the rest of the party members in an effort to try and find Yuna, who's missing. Riku tells the group that Yuna's probably been sent to the Albed home that is in the desert, and she agrees to take the party to their home, but their home is this very exclusive place where no one's supposed to know about it except the Albed. It's really a sanctuary for the Albed, because the Yevon group Yevonites. has been <laughs> has been destroying the Albed, you know, smaller groups. So, uh, in fact, she even says you can't tell Yevon where we are. Right. However, <laughs> as they show up, they realize that the home is under attack by Guado. the Guado. They make their way inside. Did you actually see one of the Albed fall? And that's where you meet Riku's dad at first. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you realize that Riku's dad is kind of the leader of Home? the Albed people yeah. as a whole, really, the, the yeah. Albed people. And Riku's dad's name is Sid, which is kind of fun because it's, a, it's, another, it's another Sid, Sid. and another Final Fantasy game. You end up making your way through there, and you end up finding the the summoner's sanctum, and you kind of put together that, you know, you, all those rumors of them kidnapping the summoners, that's where they've been taking them, because you actually run into Donna and Isaru in there. Right. 
And I think they even talk about that they've been treated really well yeah. by the Albed people. Well, they end because... up performing ascending. Oh, yeah, that's right. Them. Yep. Yep. The Albed kidnapping the summoners isn't a place of hostility as much as it is that the Albed people truly believe that the summoner's quest is pointless because sin just keeps coming back. You can kind of tell while you're going along as Titus that there isn't something being said when he talks about the end of the pilgrimage. And that's when kind of Titus learns that at the end of the Summoner's Pilgrimage, when you call the final Aeon, that it actually kills the Summoner. And he had no idea about this. So he's sitting there having this meltdown going... I said all these things to Yuna about where we were going to go after, and after this. I strongly agree with him because the whole time... Now, I knew this fact right. going into the game. And when you're watching this game unfold and Titus is talking about, you know, taking Yuna to Xanarkin or, hey, don't worry about doing this. We'll do it when we're done with the pilgrimage. There's, no one said There's anything. no reason... There is no reason that Titus should not have been told this at some point. And every opportunity that there's been for them to say something, they just sit there like idiots. The perfect time <clears throat> that they could have mentioned this was at Kilika, the very beginning, where all those people... It was already a terrible time. That would have been the perfect time. Because he wasn't initially <clears throat> even going with them on the pilgrimage. Right, yeah. That would have been the best time. But they still... They're <clears throat> like, it was too hard. But like... But when everyone was dying at Kilika, like, at that point, that wasn't hard. <laughs> right, yeah. And that... You're right. That's what their whole explanation was this whole time. That, well, it's just too hard to put into words. Like, what's funny about that is, as soon as this has been told, everyone now is talking about yeah. it. Like, I get if it's, it's this it's taboo thing to talk about, let's not talk about it anymore. But now, you know, the game's like, well, you need to know why. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was an interesting plot, but, it, it is, but still, it is a little like, no, I... I would have wanted to have known. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know... And that's what Titus really is Yeah, saying. exactly. And that's that's kind of the whole problematic part of this whole thing, is that Yuna is going through this and sacrificing herself to just have Sin die for a short time right. and have him come back again. And the cycle starts over again. Sin shows up, attacks and attacks and attacks. A summoner comes, sacrifices their life to kill Sin for a short amount of time. And it's just a never-ending spiral of death. And they talk about that a few times right. in the game. Getting back to the story and Titus, uh, Titus doesn't have much of a choice. They just move on to this secluded area in home, which turns out to be an airship. They're they're boarding all of the the survivors, survivors basically onto this, which ends up being the airship that. Well, we didn't really talk about it at the beginning, but at the very beginning, Titus actually helps salvage an old airship in the sea. Do you remember that? I didn't catch that. You didn't no. catch that? Mm -mm. This is they talk about it when you're in, during this moment. They explain that this is the ship that they salvaged hmm. and they've restored it and all of the the remaining survivors board this airship and they they leave home. 
And they actually they 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 mentioned that they're using the forbidden machina and they actually blow up. Oh yeah, okay. So in the meantime, Yuna has been captured by the Guado people. Because she's not she wasn't, she wasn't at, home. at she wasn't at the home home area, so they the Guado must have captured her while this all was going down. So Yuna's not on the airship with the rest of the party. Uh they catch word that Yuna is at um, Bavel, and so the party flies to Bavel and sees that Yuna and Seymour are in the middle of the ceremony. In the middle of their wedding they put ceremony, put together this wedding very quickly. Very, <laughs> very quickly. They were already ready. Let's. <laughs> Seymour was like, "I'm getting married." The airship flies towards Bavel, and the party jumps off the airship and makes their way to Yuna really save Yuna. Yeah. Where Yuna <laughs> Yuna pulls out her staff from nowhere and <laughs> No one noticed. <laughs> no, and tries to send Seymour. So when they get up there, they're actually they pull out uh like guns and stuff, which again is forbidden, I believe. Oh right, yeah, yeah. And okay. They tell Grandmaster Micah's there actually and he tells Yuna to to stop sending her. Um, and that basically that they would either kill her guardians if she didn't go through with the ceremony. So she drops her staff and she ends up continuing the ceremony, which she ends up officially married to Seymour. With a very awkward kiss. Yes. And then after that happens, immediately Seymour's just like, kill them. <laughs> oh, right. And so... You know, they're all being kind of roughed up, and so Yuna actually... Threatens to jump off yes. the... Bavel is like this tall tower, and she goes to the balcony, of the balcony of the tower and threatens to jump off if the party wasn't released. So the party's released, and Yuna jumps off the balcony... Uh, but is rescued by Valfor that she summons while she's falling. While she's falling. Very cool cutscene. It is way. a very the probably one of the coolest yeah. ones in the whole game. The party assumes Yuna's yeah. heading towards the cloister trials, so they try to meet her down there. While they're there, they're realizing that the temple has been using all kinds of forms of machina, and this is something that Waka's having a hard time with. When you first kill Seymour, he is having a hard time because he this is absolutely forbidden. He's saying, I can't believe I'm a part of this. I can't believe I'm a heathen. Yeah. Yeah. And the more that this, you know, stuff is happening, you know, he's seeing all this machina and he's having as a believer, a hardcore believer. This is, you know, this it's sacrilegious and all these teachings. And and here they are using machina in the main temple. Yeah. So you kind of go through the cloister trials, which is a terrible, terrible trial. That one was terrible, yeah. (laughs) Um, And Yuna actually attains Bahamut, but pretty much as soon as you get Bahamut, you're immediately under arrest. Yep, thrown in jail. And and actually, Yuna's put on trial. And this is where she's trying to explain that Mr. Seymour is... He's an unsent. He's, He's dead, dead, yeah. And that's that's and against the law. she needs to send him. And that's where Grandmeister Meka is like, well, if you're going to send him, you're going to have to send me as well. And you kind of see that he's all pyroflay. <laughs> He's on fire. And so you kind of learn that really all of them, with the exception of Kelk Ronso, that they're all kind of in on this, like, lie, basically. Yeah. And Yuna tells them about Lord Jiskel because she says he is, he was murdered. Seymour had murdered him. And you hear Kelk Ronso going like, 
uh, he also has a hard time like, with Like, is this. this true? Yes. Yeah. And he actually leaves the rest of the maesters. They deem the party as traitors, and they sentence them to the via the via Purifico. Yeah, I don't know. It's really just this, like... It's like a lab, an unescapable... La- it has an exit, but it's such a labyrinth that it's deemed as unescapable. They're like, there's a small chance they might survive, but the odds are so slim. Like, I don't understand. Why didn't they just kill them right then and there? Like, they were like, we're going to send them there. They're going to die. But just in case they don't die, send someone there to make sure they die. Why didn't you just <laughs> kill them right then and there? Oh, but you know, I think part of the reason why, though, was because Seymour still wanted Yuna. That's true. Yeah. And he, his point was, if he married Yuna... And wasn't he sent... Didn't he go to... He, he went to get her, I believe. I think he went to go kill her. Well... I think Micah was forcing him Micah to go kill her. Micah wanted him to kill her, and he didn't want to initially, but uh, Keenock, one of the other side guys who really right. had no importance, right, right. he was going to make sure that she died. And in the middle of all this, Seymour actually kills him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, But anyway, you, you go to the Via Purifico... And you're actually controlling Yuna just by herself. And yeah. you need to quickly find your guardians because just Yuna by herself is very difficult <laughs> in this is. dungeon. Uh, but you manage to find all your guardians. And you actually run into one of the older summoners that you run into, Isaru. Who's been sent to stop. He's yeah. been sent to stop the party because he's still siding with Yevon. But the party pretty much takes care of him. I, I also want to mention during all this, during the, the trial, um, part of the pilgrimage and the point of doing the pilgrimage is this possibility that they've been fed. Um, this might be the last time that we've defeated Maybe Sin. Maybe this time Sin, Sin will be gone be forever. But... They're starting they, to realize. Well, no, out, outright, Maester Micah says there is, is eternal, no way. Yeah. There is no way to kill Sin. Like, yeah, you've been doing this for no reason for all these years, and it's really shaking Yuna's faith in in the yeah. whole process. But still, wanting to give people um, that calm, wanting to be that person for these people is important to her, and it's really important for the whole party, right? So you you end up defeating Isaru and you confront Seymour again, who actually walks up with Kinok, who is dead at oh, this yeah, point. Oh yeah, that's right. But he kind of is telling Yuna that he wants to save Spira by becoming Sin and destroying all life, which you're starting to see how he's actually crazy. <laughs> I kind of feel point. like this is a common yeah, Final the Fantasy. The crazy guy finally shows his crazy cards. Well, no, it's <laughs> it's more of this, like, we're going to save everyone by killing yeah. them all. Like, that's a very common Final Fantasy thing to... Well, really, it's kind of a common supervillain yeah. thought process of, well, no, I'm helping you by killing everyone, or I'm yeah. I'm I'm saving the world by eliminating the biggest threat, which is everyone, you know, and it's kind yeah, of a common thing. <clears throat> um, so your party fights Seymour again. He transforms into this like monster. Yeah, yeah, he's complete. Takes on a completely different form, uh, but you beat him. And your party flees Bavel into the Macalania woods, where they're just they're they are like we can't go back to Bavel right now. It's not safe. We they're basically on the run. Yeah, they they really take time to try and figure out what they want to do. They have this moment of do we continue the pilgrimage or not? 
they stop to regroup and Yuna needs time alone. And they're all kind of processing this, what has just happened, basically. Right. And Titus really hasn't had a chance to talk to Yuna That's, after yeah. realizing that she is doing all this knowing that she's going to die at the end. So he gets this opportunity to talk to her and apologize for all the things that he had been saying before that. She just tries to soothe him by, by you know, telling yeah, him that that maybe I will. Right. Well, and they they have this moment of you know just playing that what, what if, if yeah. for a while and entertaining the dream of not continuing the pilgrimage and or not dying afterwards and you know, Yuna you know, you know, we'll live and they'll go to Xanarkin, this big fanciful dream. But in the end, they know that they have to keep, they, going they have on. to. Yeah. Uh, and then they share a special moment under the water. That's true. <laughs> One of the best songs in the movie though, that scene the, under the, when he's comforting her, I mean. Oh, the Sudekinane. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that song is really good. It's a trope of the Final yeah. Fantasy X soundtrack. So you, you pretty much decide that, no, despite all of this, we're going to continue on. We're going to go defeat Sin. And I think Titus and even Riku are like, we'll just try and think of a way oh, yeah. to not... Tonight. We'll just think of a way. We'll just we'll just try and figure it out on the way. Like let's let's go ahead and entertain yeah. the idea of continuing on, but we're gonna figure this out. So the the woods that they're in leads to the calm lands, which is where they it's where past I don't know if it's past and present where where they used it's, to fight it's sin. The, it, it is the area that they go to fight sin. It's the casting grounds of the final aeon. So their pilgrimage leads them to Xanarkin, where they where they're granted the final aeon, and then they go to the calm lands to summon the final aeon and fight sin in this wide open area where no one really lives. Pretty much not a yeah, whole there's, lot. Yeah, there's there's not a whole lot story wise. It's mostly just explaining what the Calmlands is, yep. and you kind of make your way out of there and towards Mount Gagazet. Your party ends up going up in there. Well, this is a sacred place where the Ronso people live, who happens to be K- what Kamari is, and they're the guardians of yeah. the mountain. Um, but yeah, uh, but she's been branded as a traitor. So at first they don't let her pass, but she's. Explains basically that yes, they've marked me as a traitor, but I still need to defeat Sin. It's very important, and I guess and the, the this Kel- the Kelk Ronso, the guy who left Bavel, he is moved by her strength, strength by wanting to yep. continue this no matter what, and they actually give her the blessing of the mountain or whatever, and yeah, very touching. And as they pass through the mountain, they run into Seymour. Yet again. <laughs> and this time, Seymour is angry. He he kills all the Ronsos on the way up. So while and That's what they say. I don't know. Like, if you go back down to the bottom, dead, if you go back to the bottom, there's still some there. I actually, I went back down because I had to backtrack. Yeah, I was going to talk to him, too. And I and didn't. there there really was not very many at all. Mm-hmm. But after a certain amount of dialogue has passed, when you have the airship, there are more Ronso. But it makes sense because there are other Ronso throughout the spirit anyway so right. not all of them were dead but i believe he killed most of them. sure yeah 
you approach this area where you see Seymour standing, and he's just like, ho ho, they fought valiantly, and Kamari's upset about this. And he goes, well, I've ended their suffering because they're dead. And they kind of are just like, you've gone too far, you're crazy, and they end up fighting again. Right. They fight Seymour. They assume this time he's gone. They, they really do. And I think Yuna performs the sending, doesn't she? Or she tries to. I, I think so, but I, he kind of falls off the cliff. Yeah, right. And you... the <laughs> And stay dead, is right, what someone yeah. says. Uh, as they're leaving, Oren says something to Titus about Jet. It's revealed that Jet is Sin. At, Which you kind of already knew. Yeah, they were dropping hints, and, and I think Titus was told this earlier in the story, but Yuna's finding this out for the first time. And, you know, with Jet being such a major inspiration for her and her pilgrimage, and really th- the biggest reason why Titus is even on the pilgrimage with her is Jet, and she looks up to him. Now, Titus, on the other hand, sees jet as a terrible father and so you know them wanting to go to fight and stop sin is really titus's way of going to confront his father throughout this whole thing and so yuna's seeing that and is upset to know that they have to go and fight sin which is jet right they don't really understand the the concept of it yet but it is part of what's going on so they make their way to xanarkin you walk by the wall in every city and in every temple there is a faith the, the faith room and the faith is preyed upon to become aeons the aeons are um essentially pyreflies that the faith have condensed into monsters to be controlled by the summoner and when they show up at xanarkin they're seeing this wall of faith and it's all summoning something they don't really know what but they see that it's all active and it's, well you know even says this is a summoning that is happening yeah i wonder what they're summoning yeah. is what she what she says and titus touches it and he goes into like a dream mode a dream world where he's confronted by a little kid who he's we've made, we've seen yeah. a few times before but he's like a little ghost kid who's just made Bahamut. appearances. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow, which by the way, his faith looks nothing like this little kid, so I don't understand why he's a little kid. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um But, but he, he explains to Titus basically that long ago, before Xanarkin was destroyed, well, actually when it was destroyed, the remaining survivors got together to do the summoning, which is what preserved the memory which is what Titus was, of their Xanarkin. Yeah, and he goes into deeper lore yet, where he talks about Yevin and Xanarkin going to war. Well, it was Bavel. Was it Bavel? It was Bavel and Xanarkin. Oh yeah, you're right, because it was were before at war. Yevin. And they kind of, I don't know if it's him that explains this, or if it's one of the like lore people walking around, but they explain that... Bavel destroys Xanarkand and try to just eradicate everything about Xanarkand. They forbid the Machina and just rewrite. They are now the the world government. 
And it with this all coming down upon the people of Xanarkin, the the people who are left sacrifice themselves to become faith to preserve the memory of Xanarkin as a whole. And by this preservation, they all the people of Xanarkin are in this dream state and, and they're dreaming of the Xanarkin that Titus came from and all of their dreaming and all of their summoning is what made Titus and jet and jet. Right. And Titus's universe. And he takes, he tells pretty well. <laughs> well, yeah, he does, but, but he's really told that, um, the faith are tired They've been they've years. been summoning for a thousand years. They've been dreaming for a thousand years. This eternal rest, but not really. And they're tired, and they they want to just be done. done. He's told that if they stop dreaming, Titus is going to disappear. That's explicitly told. So essentially, when sin ends, Titus will disappear also, yes. with them because when when sin stops the the dream state stops and the dream state is what makes titus uh functioning essentially titus is an aeon right like titus titus is formed by pyreflies to be summoned by faith to be able to transcend his Xanarkin world to be in the physical. Because He's not the same as as the dead ghost people. It's not explained, but at the end of the game, you actually see little bubbles of memories, mm, yeah. and we know it's explained in the game that pyreflies are. If you condense them enough, they they show memories. And I assumed that he is a functioning memory of their dream that's being made. I don't know for sure. It's not explained. I, I just... At least not in the game. I, my my theory was that he essentially is an Aeon, and that the, the people, the faith that are doing this dream of Xanarkin is pulling very specific key people out to try to stop the dream. To try and stop the, the endless spiral of death. In any case, Titus is told that he's he really is a dream um you know state he he is part of their dream but that his goal is to stop the dream is to stop you know bring the f- rest to right. the faith and end the sin and right. everything right finish this so finish he him. he wakes back up and he doesn't really say anything to anyone they just continue Which, on to Xanarkin. i'm sorry but he's doing them dirty like they did to him well in some way it's like mm, yep yeah, well they get what they get coming you know <laughs> anyway the party goes on to Xanarkin, the actual ruins of the city they have a final moment where they know that yuna is going to summon the final aeon she's going to acquire the final aeon that's where they're heading to next titus finds a sphere from yuna where she's saying her goodbyes and she kind of goes from each person describing how how she met Kimari and how uh, Waka and Lulu are like uh, the, her big brother her and siblings, sister, yeah. um, and really just saying goodbye, s- saying goodbye. Yeah, like she knows that she's going into this and that she's not coming back. 
she has a moment for Titus too, where she just says, you know, I wasn't expecting to feel this way for anyone. Yeah. And it, it's wonderful and it's terrible at the same time. And, you know, just basically saying, I love you and I wasn't expecting to fall in love, but here we are. I have to, I have duties to, you know, to move She's kind of interrupted before she can really finish. Yeah, that's true. Fear, but yeah. basically, yes, he finds that. And he doesn't say anything, and he keeps it. I know. Like She didn't think at one point, like, where's my spear? <laughs> Who found my spear? It's, it's like finding <laughs> someone's diary. Well, it's <laughs> like, where was she keeping it, for one? Right. Probably in the same spot where she was keeping her staff, wherever <laughs> that was. So... <laughs> Well, and what did she just have like? She, she also had someone else find the Lord Jiskel sphere, so like she's obviously not very good at keeping care of her things. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's very true. So the party push on towards the Xanarkin Temple, where they enter and they do the final Cloister of Trials, which is kind of like playing Tetris. You are greeted by Lady Unaleska as the final. Um, faith essentially yeah. if you recall lady unaleska is the first summoner and a thousand years ago thousand years ago so she's so, clearly dead <laughs> yes very much so and she explains to the party that yuna is sacrificed but also has to take a guardian with her to become the final aeon that the final aeon has to be a sacrificed guardian and for her it was her loved one lord zayon or yeah, whatever her husband her husband right and you know she that that they did that sacrifice as a group and this is this is how you find find out that sin is or eternal that, well, yeah, and you find out that the final Aeon for Braska's pilgrimage was Jet, Jet because, uh, you know... She turned him into a faith, which is how, you know, or, you know, uh, Braska performs the final Aeon, which kills him. And does she explain what happens with... I don't know, but we may as well go into it. So you you end up learning that... Sin is actually you, Yevon. I think I think you get very small tidbits of it, but yeah, he he is the person who wanted to become eternal, right? He he is eternal. I don't I don't think that that was the original plan. I think the concept was because because he was created. The same time that, um, that thousand years ago, and he he essentially is the the caretaker of the Xanarkin dream, um, that all those faith were were doing. Like essentially, he is the like core of that, and but he also has to like protect himself, so. When you create the final summoning and you create the final Aeon, the Aeon destroys Sin, which is the outer shell of Yu Yevin, and Yu Yevin possesses the final Aeon, and that final Aeon eventually turns into the new Sin. And Yu Yevin is able to jump from Aeon to Aeon in an attempt to continuously make Sin. 
and that's like his goal. It's become a point where now he's no longer really human or anything. He just is. Like, he just is doing the thing that happens, you know? So, yeah, they're, they're finding out that the final summoning takes both the sacrifice of the summoner and the sacrifice of a guardian. And none of them want to have any part of this. Right. Oren's fed up with it because Oren lost both of his best friends in the last pilgrimage. And Yuna not only has to lose her life, but someone else has to be sacrificed along with her. And the whole party is just fed up with the entire cycle. The entirety of it just needs to fall. Well, and they're finding that it is a false hope. Yeah, yeah, it really is. There's, you know, they've lied to everyone of Spira. There's no point to the constant bloodshed and they need to do something else. So what ends up happening is... They kill Lady Unaleska. Lady Unaleska confronts them. They don't want to just kill her. Yeah, that's she's, true. They were they were just gonna walk away, and she's, she's like, "We can't." Have I'm that. just gonna end your. Well, for one thing, they she can't have them going and explaining it to other people. And to her, she's, "I'm going to end your sorrow, you poor creatures, what have you." So she intends to just eliminate them then and there. Yep. Uh, so you kill Lady Unaleska. <laughs> um, you do also find out that Oren confronted Lady Unaleska once yes. prior. And this you is... You see this happen, because he they explain that the inside of these ruins is basically a big sphere. Yeah. Because there's such a concentrated amount of pyreflies. And you do, throughout this, you see different memories of different uh summoners who actually had brought the calm of how what they were doing and you see a little bit of Braska and Orin and Jen and, and, and even that. older ones yeah. that you don't really know like they yep. just show up you see uh Seymour and his mother oh yeah that's right yep. yep um so you you see that Orin at one point had confronted Lady Unaleska and this is where Titus finds out that Orin is also a an unsent. An unsent, <laughs> yes, yes. Oren's like, I'm not ready to go just yet, but I want to see this through right. to the end. He also explains that Jet asked him mm-hmm. to go back and take care of his kid. He had unfinished business. And he had yep. unfinished business. He had to make sure that Titus was taken care of and that, yes, that this needs to be put to an end. Because he ends up being sent back into Xanarkin where Jet was. I didn't catch this on until t- this playthrough. That Oren was actually there with Titus all ten years. Because throughout throughout Spira, everyone's like, Oren, where have you been these ten yeah, I years? Know. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way. Like, it's funny because it's very obvious because Oren talks about it like I he's been there with Titus for the ten years since his ten, dad disappeared. In ten years, he didn't once say anything. I don't... Uh, that's the only maybe part that it I was, don't quite understand. Maybe it was not something that they have been super close, but, like, Titus had his mom for a little while. Yeah. And you find out that his mom ended up dying of a broken heart because her... She was heartbroken over Jet being Right, gone. Jet was gone. And Titus... Titus hated his dad because of his mom dying. Like, his mom... Him him disappearing not only ruined his... Titus's life, it ruined his mom's life to the point where she died. Right. And now he is left with no one except Oren. And I think Oren wasn't like... 
a father figure, but more of just a, I'm here if you need something, yeah. sort of like an uncle. Like, I'm here <laughs> if you need something, but like, I'll, I'm way over here just kind of watching you from afar throughout this whole thing. And yeah, I never really pieced all that together until this playthrough, but uh, there's a lot of stuff in this playthrough that I yeah. didn't piece together until just now. So I don't know. So Lady Unaleska's dead. How did... How do they get on the airship? Do they the airship they walk outside the and Sin is outside looking at your party and the airship flies by while Sin leaves and you board your the airship that Sid yep. has recovered and your team kinda talks about what to do next. They and in fact they decide to go back to Bavel to confront Maester Micah. Well they again. They really realize that they need more information more than yeah. anything. They have no idea. They have no idea what's next because no one's. This has never happened before. So they go back to Bavel to talk to Micah, and when you talk to Micah, he is very upset. You, you explain that you've you've basically killed Unaleska, which she's the only one that can help you perform the final sending. Right. She she essentially gives you. Yeah. The final Aeon. So without the final Aeon, there is no destroying sin. And this is so upsetting to him that he, like, sends himself. <laughs> he like, sends he's just himself like, home. Nope. <laughs> Did you ever just want to send yourself? <laughs> you're in the middle of a Walmart, be like, I'm done. I'm just going to send myself to the far plane. <laughs> there are days. But, I mean, yeah. He, yeah, he disappears. In fact, he, he disappears, and one of the, like, temple ladies comes out and is like, where's Maester Micah? And the other one's just like... He never showed up. I don't know. It's just so like nonchalant. He's dead. Yep. 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 <laughs> I think it's because it's easier to approach oh, yeah. it that way than to be sent in jail for sending yes. another maester. Well, and it gives them a chance to say that they've thought of a. They need something. To, uh, I don't know how they approach it, but they end up telling her, "We need you to spread the word." That the airship in the sky, because they talk about how Jet is so drawn to the hymn, and they explain the airship in the sky is going to sing the hymn, and we need everyone in Spira yeah, to sing this hymn. Oh, they talk about that on the airship, though. Yeah, they their concept is that they're going to draw Sin in, and then attack him. Head on. He well, attack him without him being so aware. Oh, yeah, they're making him docile. Right. Yes. And that the hymn of the faith is the way to do that, as they saw with when they were in the Makalania or the Yeah, um, the underneath the, the water the yeah, lake. Right. The frozen lake. So they tell her, they tell this temple lady to go across Spira that we're gonna fight sin Tell everyone you know like, to sing the hymn of the faith if you it, hear the the They do it above Bavel. So yeah. it's really just the people of in the area yeah. of Bavel, which makes sense. Why house? Yeah, I know. Well, it's funny so because they specifically say all of Spira, yeah, but I know. yeah, it is really just Bavel. But yeah, so everyone in the in the in the area is singing the hymn of the faith along with a recording on the airship. I think so. Back on the airship, you go out on the deck, and Sin shows up. And you charge Sin with the airship, and essentially you cripple him to uh, to some degree. You take off both of his fins, and you really are putting him in a a critical he's, state. He's unable to really 
outwardly do anything because he doesn't really have. Well, he does do like he has movements a little yeah. bit, but he's he's not as mobile as he yeah. was. Um, your your goal is to find an opening or make one. Right. To just yeah. Get inside. Exactly. So Sid turns back around and you charge Sin again. And this time Sin is just like peeved and you have a limited amount of time to knock him down before he does like a super, (laughs) a super move and kills you. So, um, once you knock sin down enough, you go into sin and you confront, uh, Seymour who's inside. Of course. And well, you kind of figure, I don't know if it was explained specifically because I read it somewhere, but realistically, Sin absorbed Seymour because Sin is absorbing Pyreflies around it, and it had absorbed Seymour inside him, which is. I think that somehow, I, I think that was Seymour's intent anyway, was well, he to wants go to, to become Sin. Sin. Yeah, that's that's really what it was. He wanted to become Sin. He wanted to help end all the suffering, and the only way to do that is to he destroy everything. I think yeah. that's really he what really it was. Really he just was. wanted power. Um, so you ended up fighting the last Seymour, the best song of the oh, whole game. The best game. song, yep, and we'll talk more about that. Um, so you, you, he's finally dead at this point, I believe. You, I think you actually do the sending. You actually <laughs> send him this time. Um, and then you, you kind of go a little bit further and you actually confront Jet. Yeah. Finally. Yep. And you see Jet... Just as he is in, like, the flashbacks. Just yeah, himself. As, as himself, Titus has a chance to confront Jet and really tells him that, you know, I hate, I hate you, you. <laughs> but there is this common I understanding think- of this cycle has to stop. And I think from both angles, they both see that there's a terrible thing going on in this world and they have, they have the power to stop it and they're going to do their best. And jet who, who's still that final Aeon is a core though. He has some control over it. The only way to fight and kill jet is to fight that final aeon so jet essentially summons himself and transforms that form right he is and your party fights the final aeon they actually that's what he's called is braska's aeon yeah Um, so you end up having that big boss fight well and that makes sense because going back to the yu yevin thing yu yevin he possesses the Aeon. And and builds Sin around, around the Aeon by constructing Pyreflies. I mean, really, that's that's what it is. So after you fight and kill Jet, you are teleported to to Yevin. You Yevin. And you Yevin wants to assume any of the aeons in the area so the only way to eliminate this possibility of yevon jumping from aeon to aeon is to eliminate all the aeons so yuna summons each aeon individually well i I think bahamut's faith even confronts her because they go to the he appears in bevel to them and says Mm -hmm. come to my come to my chamber and he says you we need you to call us yeah we want to end this and that's why you're you're sending out your aeons 
Yu Yevin controls them, you defeat them, and they are they're gone. They're gone. They're gone. They're gone. 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 Yeah. Gone. And and I think that that's again going back to that that concept of Yu Yevin assumes any aeon and tries to build sin around that aeon. And it's an endless cycle unless there's no Aeons left. So by summoning an Aeon and defeating Yu Yevin within that Aeon, that Aeon is gone. So she kept summoning. Why couldn't she just defeat the Aeon and then not summon? Because... Were they all there with her? What? You know what I mean? No. So you you summon a new uh, an Aeon mm-hmm. and... You even assumes that form, and then you kill that Aeon. Well, what happens if you just don't summon... I think the idea is, no matter where you are in Spira, you can summon those Aeons. So, if at any point... A summoner summons an Aeon that's a little too close to you, Yevin, it'll assume that, that Aeon and so, rebuild Sin. So, if she had only learned one Aeon... <laughs> I know, well... Like my game, I didn't have yeah, Yojimbo and the Magus sisters, and I didn't have Anima. Yeah. Like, so what happens to those Aeons, right? Yeah, I know. I, I fully agree. <laughs> I fully agree. I, I don't know if that's really the case, but that's kind of what I yeah. got out of the story that they were trying to tell. Um, so yeah, in any case, Yuna summons all of her Aeons, Yu Yevin assumes that Aeon, and the party defeats him. Um, as a last resort, you fight Yu Yevin. You fight Yu Yevin as some sort of physical being. Assumably, and I think it's written in something somewhere official, mm-hmm. probably the, the Ultimania. Ultimania. Um, but Yu Yevin was a person at some point because I read somewhere that Yu Yevin is Unaleska's father. Yeah. I don't know. But in any case, he's not a human anymore. He is like lost ability to be human. He just is this form. He's just a parasite. Yeah. And really, yeah. that's kind of what he's been this whole time. He's a parasite that attaches to the final Aeon to construct around it. And then when that construction dies, yeah. he does it again. So he's just being that parasite that he is. You destroy that parasite and sin collapses in a field and explosion of fireflies and the party watches while the while sin is exploding and titus begins to well well all you see a clip where all the aeons all the the faith for the original aeons are starting to petrify and they're losing their they're losing their power. They're waking up. They're ending this dream. And as this dream is ending, Xanarkin also is starting to fade. And with that Xanarkin fading, the dream state Xanarkin is also fading Which along with it. Titus decides to tell them about him being a dream. Yeah, I know, last minute. Before the final boss. This like, is the last time the we're going to fight together. <laughs> like, okay. Could have told us a little bit beforehand. It's not even that. The way he said it, it was like, this is the last time. Like, if I had heard someone go, this is the last time we're going to fight together, I'd be like, yeah, this is the end, right? <laughs> I know. Not, I'm going to disappear. Right. <laughs> so, um, Titus is starting to disappear with the dream state waking up. And um, he just 
he kind of just says, bye guys, and starts to run to leave. Just no goodbyes, just wants Yeah, he to... just leaves. And Yuna, Yuna is so struck by this and chases after Titus and he stops he stops and she runs she (laughs) she's he stops and turns around to to catch her and she falls right through him and lands on the ground and that moment is so heartbreaking (laughs) like she just lays there and she has tears streaming down her cheek and fireflies are going through the ship and she's just like it's like just blank and she gets back up and you know they have a moment where they titus kind of faux hugs her because he can't he can't touch her and yuna says that she loves him and titus leaps off the airship and joins the rest of the fireflies that are exploding from sin and gives Jet a high five. <laughs> oh yeah, and Orin's there too. Orin, Orin. Oh, yeah. not there though. I forgot to mention that uh, when they did the final summoning with oh, yeah. uh, Orin, does kind of ask for a final yeah. sending. It's yeah. so brief. It's, it doesn't do his character justice. I know, because uh, he was such a strong character yeah. through this whole thing. You kind of get a Yuna. little bit of closure at the. Oh, they they of course they sing one of the iconic songs, and then at the closing. You've got Yuna confronting everyone in Bavel, explaining that Sin is finally gone. We can rebuild Spira. Yes. We can we can come out of this better people. And then you get a little bit of a sneaky peek at the end of Titus. Well, yeah, he's like in he's a like, fetal position in the middle of the ocean, and then he wakes up and swims towards the surface. But like... I think they must have known that they were going to make a second part to this game. Yeah, but like even with a second part to the game, this scene makes no sense in 10-2. Like, I don't understand how the two are supposed to correlate at all. But yeah, they kind of they I kind of make it seem like, nah, Titus is coming back. But I think maybe it was a safe way to play it as maybe he there is a chance maybe there's he comes a way back yeah. and if they never made the sequel i i didn't actually play the game to the end of sentus so, oh really yeah. oh yeah i mean so i don't know really to be perfectly honest and it is a bit of a spoiler titus doesn't come back unless you get 100 percent. yeah and then you get this like specialty ending where he can come back but like otherwise no yeah. <laughs> like you don't see it like yeah yuna's whole like objective is to bring titus back but like unless you get a perfect score then you get a little snippet of maybe but like even then you know so yeah i mean for all for all purposes titus is gone to the far plane (laughs) would he actually go to the far plane though i don't know i just say that because Orin he saw Orin and Braska, and they show his mom in the far plane which i thought was interesting because technically she's a dream fair isn't that weird pyreflies that's what i don't this is my biggest pet peeve is that everything is explained with pyreflies which is fair for certain things but not everything it's basically we can't explain this so just trust it's probably right i know (laughs) (sighs) so that was long-winded guys welcome back if you skipped um five hours later yeah you you missed quite a bit (laughs) um (laughs) 
So the story. What did you What did you think about the story, Kaylee? <sighs> um. I mean, we we kind of talked a little bit about it while we were in the middle of our story. There's strong points and weak points. The pyreflies specifically are it it's confusing because stuff is explained. Well, it's because of pyreflies, and at the same time, it's confusing because how you know what I mean. Like the pyreflies is just a I think a lame excuse to not have to explain. Well. Stuff. I think some things are easily, yeah, I I understand where they're coming with that with the pyreflies. Because it seems like pyreflies is kind of like Final Fantasy VII's life stream. Like, if you get enough of it condensed in one thing, it can turn into physical objects or memories or, you know, that that kind of concept. Um, it can be used by the faith to be able to construct monsters as aeons, or it can be used individually from the dead who can manifest themselves in real monsters. So, like, from that perspective, I understand that cycle of, you know, your life is preserved in Pyreflies, and when you die, they have to be sent to the far plane to begin the cycle again. Um... But to have some things that, like, I don't see how breathing underwater would be explained away I by pyreflies. I to look it up. In the Ultimania, Ultimania, they explain that the reason why they can breathe underwater, specifically for Blitzball for long periods of time, is because of the concentration of pyreflies. But it does not explain the ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Uh, they also say that pyreflies are used for, like... The like recording spheres and all that stuff. And I'm sorry if they are the souls of dead people, you are making a recording off of dead people. Well, I mean, it's this again, the similar concept as Final Fantasy VII, where condensed Mako energy, which is dead people, is constructing, yes. you know, to make to make the the well the magic. That's so fair. But why is it that we're drawing the line at Machina, but using soul people is just fine for recording uh, a family <laughs> video? <laughs> That's true, yeah. I, I always thought that Machina and, like, Mako were the same concepts. And maybe that's why it was so forbidden, because Pyreflies were supposed to be this, they're the dead, so respect them concept. The Machina, I believe, is forbidden because... Bavel feared Xanarkin because Xanarkin used the Machina. Mm -hmm. But Bavel had... I learned this from the, one of the guys walking around in the Calmlands. But the theory is from him that Bavel was was not as strong with, uh, with Machina, but their Aeons, their Summoners, were more advanced, which is why they managed to eradicate Xanarkin. Um, and they forbade the the machina so that this would not happen again. And they actually say that originally the, the hymn of the faith was Xanarkin's thing hmm. and it was considered taboo. But when they started using the hymn as a, a way of defiance, that they actually turned it around to make the hymn a sacred thing, that this is what we sing to be united as one. And that's kind of how they attained Interesting. this world I power. Didn't, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, but you gotta dig for that stuff. Oh, I know. I know. 
Uh, the far plane concept was interesting. Yeah, and see, that one is really weird, too. It's it's perplexing in the way that it only shows the people who have died. But, like, from Riku's theory... Is that it's she's, just the memories. It's just the memories of the people who have died. Like, how do the Pyreflies know a difference? You know, they say that... Uh, when you're in the Xanarkin ruins, try and find Unaluska, Lady Unaluska, uh, they say that this place is like a giant sphere because it replays memories, which I'm assuming is what the far plane is kind of like, that it's just replaying these memories based on what you're thinking, which is why you can't actually interact with the, because there is no memories there. It's playing mm. off of your memories. Yeah, but like, for example, it it showed Seymour. In it, those memories. It, oh, yeah. yeah. When, when Seymour was a kid. Yeah. But, like, the far plane wouldn't show Seymour because he technically wasn't there. So, but like, they can't play your those. souls, your soul has to in some way be sent to the far plane in order for your vision to show up there. That's what's perplexing to me. I don't know. Do you, do you see where I'm going with that? Unless it's playing, I don't know. I it's, don't think it was actually thought about. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't probably. think they thought it quite through. It was just, oh, this is how it is. Like, like how are memories being recorded? Unless, unless it's more of like a timestamp thing, like because Xanarkin is so concentrated, it just kind of records stuff randomly and Maybe. then pl- plays it back randomly. That could be, but then, like, the far plane can only show you people who have been sent to the far plane. Like, that memory has been sent to the far plane? No, like, not... the Pyrefly memory? Not necessarily memory, but, like, the... Yeah, yeah, because I suppose that memory... Because that's what Riku's saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Riku's point is, you're not actually seeing their soul Pyrefly, you're seeing just the memory right, of them. Because yeah. you can't actually interact. Mm-hmm. But what's funny, like I said earlier, is that Titus's mom is there, but Titus's mom, like Titus, I know, is and not that's, real. That's a hole that I don't know about. I can't. I can't explain that one away. Um, the dad stuff. Yeah, we didn't talk about it a whole lot in our in our story overview. Titus has a dad pro daddy issues <laughs> daddy for sure. Issues. I. I like that it helps with character growth. However, the strongest character growth was Jets. Yeah, I know. It really was I Jets. I, you know, <laughs> Titus... He obviously... At the beginning, when Jet leaves, Titus is like 10. He's right, yeah. little. And you kind of understand that he blames his dad for a lot of this stuff. His dad's a cocky guy, which he is in the beginning. It shows him being cocky and you see Jet's character growth. So I think that by the end, it's like stuff's okay, but I still hate you dad, but it's still so cringy. As you're playing as Titus too, he, every now and then he kind of has these moments of, you know, maybe I actually do. Ah, uh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like he's coming to terms with the fact that he doesn't hate his father as much as he says he does. And I think even him saying that last moment before, yeah, you know, with, with Jet, I think he's not saying, I hate you as much as it's just, uh, I hate you. <laughs> I don't, I I don't know. I don't, I don't think saying. the meaning is, I hate you. I think the meaning is opposite in some way. It's some stupid, I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
Yeah. I really liked the plot twist switch that they did where like yes. the whole the whole first half of the more than the first half of the game. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on if you've played it before because for me the first half of the game I'm like Yuna's going to her death. I know this. I know that this is the lore. I know that that's what they mean. I know that it's cringy now that, you know, Titus is saying, hey, we're going to go to Xanarkin. We're going to do all yeah. this stuff. And, you know, but she she knows she's going to her death through the whole game. And then to have the role re- reversed where all of a sudden Yuna's no longer threatened to die with the final Aeon because right. they're not doing any anymore. However, Titus is going to be dead when all the the you know the faith wake up and right. the faith aren't dreaming his dream anymore. So like that twist was it it made the story even sadder. <laughs> like like it's yeah. already a pretty sad story like you know this endless cycle of death and this like you you managed to find a way to save the summoner, the main point of... Yeah, and yet, and yet you still can't be together. There's still a tragic death. Yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, what did you give the story? I gave it a 10 out of 10. Oh, I gave it a 9. Oh, did you? I The Pyrefly thing, there's just so many... There's so many plot holes to There's me. There's a few plot holes, but I felt like the way that they told the story was really well done. I agree. Um, And I think that... They picked Titus as a quote main character, but Yuna was the main character. This was Yuna's story all along, which is ironic because the whole time Titus is going, "This is my story." It's so arrogant, but yeah, I mean, really, if you play the game and you realize that Yuna is the highlight of the story, that this is Yuna's game. Yuna's the main character. She really is the main character, she, though. Absolutely. It's her pilgrimage. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I... I don't know. There's there's so many more opportunities that... Like, you... The characters were shelled out well, but, like, not... Not beyond what you know. Like, there's no backstory. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot of backstory. I mean, you know a little bit about Riku um, and, you know, the Albed's backstory as a whole. You get a little bit about Lulu and Waka's backstory with Chapu and Lulu and Waka's first pilgrimage that failed. Uh, You get a little bit about that. Um, But, like, yeah... I don't know. There's not much. I mean, really, there's a big 10-year gap where, like, yeah, Yuna's with her dad, and then her dad goes off to be a summoner and dies, and... Then Kamari, like, helps her to take her to Besaide, where she's, you know, raised... Uh, <laughs> where she where she's raised by essentially Kamari and the village people with Waka and Lulu being, you know, brother yeah. and sister figures. You know, you you get that concept, but like you don't know what those people have gone through th- through you know, that time. Yeah. When they're explaining this stuff, it's kind of flat. Mm-hmm. It's not very well talked about. There's no like 
a little bit of Chapu's story kind of brings Lulu and Waka's story together, but it's just, it's flat compared yeah, to everyone else. The strongest, one of the strongest characters that I liked the most was Oren. Oren was very he, well plotted. He, he carried the entire game very well. Honestly, <laughs> yes. I mean, if if Yuna's not the main character, I it would probably be you know, Oren too. You know what <laughs> over I really, Titus. What I like, what I think this game did very well was tell two stories at the same time, which mm-hmm. was Oren, Jets, and Braska's. And it was well done. It was just enough. I wanted to see more, especially I wanted to see more like jet spheres, mm-hmm. a little bit of skits and stuff. Did you go back and collect? I didn't see them all. Them? Oh. I don't think so. But um, I, I think there's like 12 or 15 of them, something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. I'll have to go try and find them then. I just, it, it what you did see was enough. Mm-hmm. It, you, you saw, like I said, Jet had the most prominent character development that was actually smooth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. as far as character development goes, that's different than backstory. Well, yes, I agree. And character development, like, obviously, Jet and Oren had some good character development. Where, you know, really, even within the two stories for Oren, like, he was a kid. He was kind of an arrogant kid when he first went on the pilgrimage. Ten years later, he's doing it again, and he's bringing that wisdom to the table. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's kind of... He's steering them in the right direction he, that he they is, need to absolutely. be. And he's, he's seen as a well-respected person. And they all, like the whole team, bringing Riku in... Yuna goes to Oren is like, yeah. is this okay? <laughs> like, who is Oren to say no? Right. Like, it's the summoner's choice if she wants even it. He says that too. Sometimes he tries to force the party because he kind of knows better, right? But ultimately, it's still Yuna's decision, right? Right. Yeah. And and he plays that role really well. Absolutely. He respects her in every regard Oren? and pushes Titus to protect her with everything he's got. You know. He- is my favorite character. He's, he's of a the great bunch. character. He really I is. I think Titus's character development, if if anyone was gonna have character development, I think his fall short. Um to I yeah. disagree. Yeah. <laughs> um it's not so much that he has strong character development, but he Titus is a child when you first meet him. He's annoying. He's see, he, I, I felt that way about him clear up till the end, though. Oh, see, I didn't. I as he got as he realized that Yuna was doing this really as a death sentence. He started to mature a little bit with his dialogue and his overall like concept of what was going on and it became real. And I think that that, that turned the tables to a lot of things for a lot of things to happen, like to even have the strength to fight sin and to fight Unaleska, you know, like that was not so impulsive as it was like the first time you met him. What's frustrating to me is the, me, 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 the entire Yeah, ride. I was because annoyed by that too. That's what what I'm seeing is he's still that kid because this is all about him. And even Yuna says, it's not about you. This is my story too. Yeah, she she specifically stops and says, It's my story too. And it really is her oh, story. Absolutely. Yeah. And 
it's clear up to the end. He doesn't want to tell them about he's going to disappear. It's just like, why are you so selfish? Yeah. You didn't like that when that happened to you. So why would you turn around and do it to the people that really care about you? I know. And you care about them, clearly. I mean, he didn't even tell Oren. I know. I mean, it's just, that's selfish to me. That's just being a brat. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I agree. I, I agree, but he does he get better towards char- this, I, towards the he end. He absolutely has character development. It's just... You it, want to know who's who doesn't have character development? That's Lulu. Yeah. Zero. The Probably the only development she gets is that she hates Titus at the beginning <laughs> and hates him less towards the end. And that's it. Her character is very... Yes, I agree. She's just but there you for her of... boobs to flop around. Like that's it. <laughs> I, I th- she does not. She does have a little bit, I think, but they did it backwards because she's already this mature kind of person, and you kind of get her story of her first pilgrimage and how she failed. Yeah, but there's not much there. No, I agree. There's, there's still, like, like I said, there's not when much. you're in the calm lands, you get one little snippet of. The possibility of them being on another, you know, another pilgrimage. pilgrimage. I think it was just her before she... I don't think she did it with Waka. Um, no, Waka was with him because Waka said that he was too interested. He he agreed to be on the pilgrimage, but he was too interested in Blitzball. Which is why he was going to... Um, why he was going to retire from Blitzball right. altogether. Oh, yeah. Also, I'm not really clear about... What Yu Yevin's motivation is. Like, it's one thing to want to be eternal, but like, what's with this sin destruction thing? Or is it like an inherited value from the war, you know? I'm guessing that, you know, because of the war, that that's what's left of Xanarkand, and it's constantly fighting. The people of Bavel, maybe? I don't know. It's not really explained. And then also, like, how how sin can go between the dream and the Spira. Like, I don't really... There's a lot of that, like, weirdness between all of that. Like, Yevin and... He must be linked to the faith that our... Doing the dream. Right. And that much I maybe he That's why I say he's like the center of the dream, because with his death, the rest of the dream ends. Mm. You know, where like if he doesn't die, the dream I think would still continue, even if the other faiths are dead. I think he is the faith that is running the summoning at Xanarkin. Possibly, yeah. That's that uh, again. Theorizing, yeah. I don't know, but I, that's kind of what I was. Uh, it so many questions left unanswered. Yeah, I still gave the story a ten out of ten. I I'm, I'm, of 10. I'm sticking with yeah. it. I just, that's you know, again, really solid. Yeah, there's there's a little bit left to be explained and a little left, I- but. The story, the story that was told, Yuna's story that was told was solid all the way through. I liked that it was linear for the majority of the game. Um, it was linear, but you could always go back. And that's, that's why I think like 13, when we'll get to 13 yeah. soon-ish. And, you know, it's very linear, but like... 
10, it's, it's very similar in 10 to that way, but 10, you can go back. Like at any point, if you wanted to go back to, I think you, I don't know if you can board a boat to go back to Bevel, but you could go back pretty far if you wanted to, where like, you, you know, Besaid? oh yeah, that's what I okay. meant. Um, Besaid. I don't, I don't know if you could board a boat to go back to Besaid in like, at, while, while you're at the Calmlands, would you be able to go all the way back to mm. Besaid? I don't know. But I mean, you could go pretty far. Yeah. Um, but then once you get on the airship, you can go wherever you want. Yeah. Yeah. You can revisit anything. And I love that concept where like Final Fantasy 13, again, we haven't reviewed it, so it's hard to put full quotes on this, but I've played it and yeah, it's very linear and you can't go back. And when it does open up where the world, you can explore the world a lot more it's kind of irrelevant to the story. It's not revisiting what you've already been to. It's just like, yeah, and here's open world for you to walk around, but that's about it. So I don't know. I mean, I I like how this game did that Mm -hmm. linearity with open exploration. Fair. Um, so you want to move on to graphics? Yeah. All right. I gave it a 9 out of 10. I also gave it a 9 out of 10. My favorite was how they did the pyreflies. Yeah, the pyreflies are very satisfying. They're well, the cutscenes, the pyreflies just looked amazing. What was your favorite cutscene? Oh man, that's hard. I There's really, a lot of really good ones. I think the sending at Kilika probably is my favorite, and it makes sense. It was one of the first major movies. It's all the pictures are of Yuna doing the sending. It just was well done. Very the, interesting and moving the, moment. The whole wedding cutscene yeah, is really good. good. Just Yuna is so pretty in those cutscenes, yeah. and the veil looks really, really well done. And then, you know, she's falling off the, the tower and she summons the Aeon and Valfour comes out and just looks f- phenomenal. It just, it, it just is really well done. Really good. Yeah. They did Titus a little dirty, in my opinion. He does not look very good in his... He doesn't look the same. And honestly, I kind of have that problem with the majority of the cutscenes versus game. They don't look like each other riku is strikingly strangely different too but like i feel like they did lulu what little she appeared lulu was good and oren was good and even kamari waka was he had too many teeth yeah i swear he did (laughs) it looks like he said it looks like they have chiclets for (laughs) um i think that they had i i I don't want to offend anybody in generalizing, but I feel like the gameplay video or the gameplay um, character models look a little more Americanized. And, you know... I felt like they were trying to go almost, like, different. I don't know. It's very hard. But, but like, the cutscenes were almost, like the characters had an Asian vibe yes. about them where they don't in the, in the gameplay yes, character I agree, models. 100%. And, and I, it's, it's hard to put my finger on it. Cause it's not like a skin tone thing. It's just the way that their facial features 
are different between the cutscenes and the gameplay that makes them look a little more Asian. Yes. <clears throat> Which, I mean, there really is none of... I mean, obviously there is none of those races. It kind of makes sense maybe for someone like... Like, well, no, I take the... Excuse me, I'm just mumbling. It's fine if that's what the case, but like you said, when they're so drastically different from the cutscene versus you can right, tell yeah. it looks I, like they're leaning towards one way where in the cutscenes it looks like a completely different yeah, story. It, it makes me wonder if like the the Japanese um like the the models yeah if if they're a little different and then like when it was ported to the US or North America or even the PAL regions if the the model the game character models were altered I I don't know no, well, what I but like it just seems it seems they weird They say when the credits they talk about the models they used for the cutscenes so I I I don't know how it works but maybe it is that they used Two different uh, companies. Well, the company that did the characters, maybe their uh, cast was Asian, and the character models was the character models. So it, I can see why maybe that would happen. I, again, I don't know how yeah. that works, but it could just be a discrepancy between the two different, yeah, uh, the two different uh, divisions that yeah. were working on those. I don't know. It, to me, the most noticeable was that. Riku's like skin tone did not match her character model and it almost didn't look like it fit the rest of her character. I kind of felt that way with Titus in yeah, the cutscenes. Like Titus in in the gameplay, he's very pale. Where then the cutscenes, he's like very tan and almost yellow. See, and that's that's the thing. It didn't even look natural. Right, to me. yeah. Like, yeah. none of their skin, like, those two specifically, their skin tones did not look natural. It looked like, it looked like. Spray on tan or something? I don't even know. It's so <laughs> strange. And it, there was, like, this graininess to it almost. I don't know how to explain it. And you don't see it long enough to be, like, figuring out what's going on, but you can tell that something does not look the same as what you're used to seeing. And it's almost distracting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. I don't know. In, in any case. Yes. Um, the Aeons really cool. Very cool. Um, my only complaint with the Aeons is Bahamut is a little too bulky. I mean, it is what it is. He's the king of dragons. <laughs> what do you want from him? I want him to be a little bit slimmer. No, I don't it's understand is he's so bulky and his faith is this muscular guy, but like the faith <laughs> actual person like, is a little kid. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, I just... Bahamut is so bulky but he... that he looks like he's struggling to move. <laughs> It's kind of like the the bodybuilders that are so yeah. big that they can't really get around anymore. Like he kind of looks like that. Like but he I mean, doesn't. Like he can't hand, quite bend his arm to his. He's <laughs> he he's your first Aeon you get that breaks the the damage barrier. So like it makes he's, sense that he's he, he's absolutely arm. designed to be bulky. Bulky, yeah, for sure. I just think that his in in all the previous games. Bahamut's been like this very dragon uh styled character where in this game he's very like muscular and bulky and huge 
I don't know. I just I I, I didn't like I don't like don't his like bulk. I don't like his I bulkiness. I would have preferred him to be like super tall and like dragon, like traditional dragon, where he's you know. But I think on the other hand, that well, I I say this, but not really, I guess, because there's Ixion, but they're supposed to be people. I, yeah, I suppose. Um, I liked Valfour. To very uh, new, isn't it? Isn't he? He's. I've yeah, not I don't seen think he's in any. And I think it's a girl. Really? Yeah. Are you sure? No. Oh, okay. But when you look at the faith model, the faith like mm-hmm. in the glass yeah, the dome little... thing, it looks very female. Hmm. And when you are look, if you look at Valfour's character or like design. It, the there's like a body structure in the center and it looks very female too. Interesting. I'll so I don't up. I don't know for sure. I yeah. haven't like looked it up or anything, but that that was kind of my assumption know. that it's supposed to be a little more feminine. I really liked this is my favorite Shiva of all the Shiva designs. Agreed. A hundred percent agreed. And what was really cool was that the Aeons made a, an appearance in one of the end Cutscenes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Shiva's looked amazing. I know. Shiva, Shiva looks really cool in this game. She, <laughs> no, no pun intended. <laughs> well, it's so satisfying her moves when she snaps and the ice breaks and just just. Well, even the way them. that she attacks, it's yeah, very fluid, fluid and very. The movements are awesome. We're like, like. Ifrit, he just kind of like jumps and slashes. I kind of like Ifrit's when he rolls and slashes. Ixion's pretty stiff. Yeah. Yeah. And like sometimes, so there's something about Ixion's that is satisfying. The way it like the, the like when he when he throws he his horn, a lightning bolt or something like that. Yeah, and it's satisfying. But some of the other stuff is not so satisfying, and it's the funny weird. thing about Ixion, and again. <laughs> me with my like he's like this but i don't do research on it but i'm pretty sure he's modeled after previous final fantasy um enemies mm-hmm. the like the unicorn yeah. enemies because they do that similar like horn toss yeah. move so like i think he's modeled after those but still like i love ixion's like overall design yeah like the the mane is really yeah. cool and like has little like braids Stripe. and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just just cool Very just cool. overall cool. Um, Valfour, I love the summoning animation yeah. for Valfour and that like gentleness where Yuna like strokes yeah. its beak. It's just like I don't know. There's something really like sweet about Valfour that I can't quite. I, I, I can't I quite put into very, like almost elegant. Yeah, very elegant, very like almost a mom, <laughs> almost a mom <laughs> vibe that I get from. I don't know. It's I, funny. What I attribute it to is it's the first Aeon. Yeah, she spent the most time. Well, and in. I think that I can relate to that as well because growing up with this game, that's the first Aeon yeah. you get, and you probably when you get when I was a kid anyway, you get that first summon and you're spamming that yeah. crap like all the time and you're probably seeing it uh, valfor the most well and it gets that special attention at the wedding scene yeah and there yep. really is a lot of care taken into valfor and yeah there's just something special about yep. about yep. it yep 
Um, the <laughs> this is minor. I liked the glass breaking. I hated the battle, like so many battles, but the yeah. glass breaking was kind of satisfying. The transition, and yeah, that very fluid transition. Um, Makalania Woods and Guadalajara, very interesting. Uh, like areas. Yeah the the like Rainbow Road thing is really weird. It's like iridescent yeah very interesting and there's like the the like orbs that are there and it's it's cool it's it's really a a mythical place to be walking around and you feel you feel that fantasy vibe in there like strong absolutely where some of the other places you didn't really get that you know guado salam i liked how different it was the tree concept was really cool it just, it looks like I would live there. Like, if I could just, like, yeah, this place exists in real life, I would move there. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something very interesting. And they really took, I don't know if this is because of the HD remakes. It's been a while since I played the original. But, like, they took a lot of care into adding all those fine details in the different rooms. You, like, it's not very big, Guadalajara. Mm-hmm. But, like, the shop and someone's house is just a lot of There was a lot of details in the original. There was a lot of details in the original, too. Um, Obviously, those details are enhanced in the HD remaster. Yeah. But um, I remember... I remember it being uh, a homey kind of place. Yeah. Aside from Seymour's Mansion, which is very, like, airy and empty... Yeah. And like you go into the like buffet area yeah. and there's like it's it's just awkward it's like really open and empty. And I'm and sure that that's a a very specific design choice. Like they could have made it, you know, homey. a closed in like long table that everyone sits at and you know, but they you they needed didn't. to have that level of something is not quite right here. Right. Um the only other point that I really good point that I had was that uh the different races were kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And there was a, that dominant race, but you still had your your Ronso, your Guado, your your Hypello, the little Rise yep. issue puff. Um, and the Albed, I guess, if you want to consider that. But, like, I, this was... It's not like it's new because... Final, they've had different races of people, but it was the first, in my opinion, where they were all living harmoniously, where there is specific races. You know what I mean? Because, like, Final Fantasy IX yeah. had different, like, people that looked different, but, like, the Hypolo were their own thing, and the Guados were their own thing, where they were established, you know? And, they were and, and villages Seymour, of... Seymour was so important because he was half Guado, half human. I mean, same with Yuna. Yeah. Yuna's well, half yes. half uh, Albed and half human. And so. it's just, it's important. It's an important aspect of the game, and I just, I liked that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the animations for the characters were really clean mm-hmm. for the most part. I think the overworld stuff, overworld, the like, mm, Titus moving is a little stiff. They're, like just not yeah. not their like not their like cutscene, not not the FMV cutscene, yeah, yeah, yeah. but like the regular cutscene stuff, yes. the regular was that was okay. There was something but, like, clunky about it. Just Titus going from point A to point B as you're controlling him was very stiff. 
it's a PS2 game. I was playing it on a PS4, but it was it's still a PS2 game, so it still had that same clunkiness to it to make it feel the same. But there is something weirdly stiff yes. about the movements that is hard to put you into know, words. Sometimes the way he talked, the way they had his mouth moving, and how stiff he kind of mm-hmm. was in certain angles, it reminded me of those wooden dummies where the mouth just open and closed up and down yeah and it was kind of creepy but you know there would be times where he his body would be like in motion just standing there kind of going up and down but then his head would just immediately jerk up to the side while he's talking like and looking up and it's just it's there's something not fluid about it like they were cutting corners right yeah and there was a little bit of clunk i i I wrote it down as clunky like there was something kind of clunky about certain spots sure um, I I really associate that to it being an early yeah. PS2 game. They didn't really know what they were doing with the PS2 when this came out. You can tell, like, Final Fantasy X-2 drastically different in art, like, the way that the animation is. It's very fluid compared to this. But, uh, you know, for early PS2, like, it still looks really yeah. solid. Really, really good. And, I mean... I'm judging this off of the HD remaster. Right. So, like, it's hard for us to put this score on the original PS2 game. So, you know, obviously, take this with a grain of salt. If you're going to play it, you know, this is our, yeah. our, our experience was with the HD remaster where, you know, the original right. is a little bit different. But as I recall, everything is just a little bit fuzzier, but looks about the same. Yeah. You know, you're going to get the same experience for the most part. The FMVs, I don't know if they did anything to them at all. Like, they look sure. They looked they looked really just good. as good as I remembered them looking. Like, I don't feel like they looked better than what they looked like. The mouth movements still are clunky and they weren't quite matched up, just like, you know, the, they were in the original. The only thing I think the HD remake did wrong was that Yuna's eyes were strange. <laughs> Did you notice that? I didn't, and you've told me this prior to the I podcast, and I still have no caps. idea. I tried taking screen caps, and I could never get it at the right time. It's just, I think they were so worried about preserving the noticing that one eye is green, one eye is blue, because, you know, she's half all bad, half human. And I think when they're trying to preserve that, it makes her just look like she's maybe, staring. Maybe the problem know. is that her eyes are too color saturated. Maybe. So, like, they're a little more noticeable where the other characters are a little more muted. So, like, you don't and notice you know, them as much. I did think about that because Titus's eyes are stark blue. Like, or mm. not stark. Well, you know, they're, they're very blue. Yeah. And I remember thinking while his eyes, his pupils, and they all seem the same size-wise to Yuna's, but Yuna's is so different that it almost makes her look... Bug-eyed or something? Something. I don't know. I don't and it know. makes it makes something seem off. I don't see it. I don't know. It drove me out. nuts. All the, like and it wasn't all the time, but like a good portion of the time it was like, whoa. <laughs> really the only thing that really bothered me was her hair. Did you notice the little strand of hair on her head that was sitting all. up? <laughs> oh, not at all. No, the only thing that really bothered me was the mouth movements. Oh yeah. Where I felt like the voice acting was timed funny to make it seem like they were trying to match the mouth movements, but like 
half the time it they weren't trying at all yet like the timing was weird yeah so like that like i don't know there there was something wrong with like the whole I think mouth movements and dialogue that just didn't line up in any way. That's so hard to say because it's like overall, like we we both rated it the same. Nine out of ten was very good. Mm-hmm. The things that were quote unquote wrong, there was no specific thing, but you could tell there was something that was not fluid yeah, and natural. That's exactly like, it. And that's why suspicious. a lot of these are just like nitpicking at it. Yeah. But it's it's just kind of this like awkwardness yeah. that didn't really pull away from the game a whole lot but it just made it awkward <laughs> sometimes yeah um yeah i can't really think of anything else graphically uh the hd rem- uh we we talked about it yeah. it does look good it really does yeah uh let's move on to gameplay it's typically our longest section i gave gameplay a 9 out of 10 i also all right 9 out of 10 um I want to start off by saying the gameplay as a whole is not bad. If you can't tell by our scores. That said, there's a few features that had me scratching my head. (laughs) Um, The first one I want to talk about, because I didn't write it down and I want to get it out. What in the world was with the crystal collecting thing at the end of the game? The crystal collecting. Yeah, with the, like, icebergs. Oh, in Sin? Yeah. Like, the only thing I can think is it was their way of, like, getting you some stronger weapons and stuff. I have no idea. Was not explained. At first I thought, is this going to end? Like, am I (laughs) I missing something? I thought that too. Because, like, I didn't want to break out into a fight anymore. I kind of remember doing that when I played the last time through. I can't remember how long ago it's been since I've played this game. I Probably about ten, 10 years, years, like yeah. the rest. <laughs> but, um, I out of the entire game, this was the only portion at the end of the game that I'm like, oh, I remember this. <laughs> and I'm like, why? why is this here? What is the point of doing this? So, okay, to put it in perspective, in case anyone's listening and they haven't done this, When you get towards the end of the game, you save your game and you head into this tower where you find Jet. However, before you actually find Jet, you are placed in this big open room slash forest. It's like... It's weird. The background's moving. You're supposed to be in sense. So it's just all this abstracty background. The camera is constantly rotating... And you have to collect these crystals that are also items while avoiding like these spears or something spike of light. Are they light? Are I thought they were like ice. Maybe um, <laughs> ice spears or something. Your I don't know. Is as good as but mine. like, okay, so the the ground starts to glow, and then these like big spikes come out from the ground, and if you get hit by a spike, you encounter a. a a monster and this continues until you've collected 10 of the crystals and then you fight um and then you fight jet but like that room has no significance to the story you don't even know how you get there you just 
do. You're just there. Yeah. yeah. And then you collect these crystals for <laughs> no reason. And then you're like, you don't have to fight enemies if you're careful, but like you can fight enemies if you need to. And then you're collecting these items, which are kind of irrelevant to the rest of the game. Cause by this point you're already ready for the final fight. Why do you need these stupid random? I used one item out of that whole like thing. And that was the white sphere, um, the white oh, magic yeah. sphere. And I gave that to Yuna so that she could have haste. And that was it. Like, that was the you only thing I used. Haste. Haste, haste Aga. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, like, no idea. No clue. That was a little strange. I'll agree. I don't know why. <laughs> I just... And when you're fighting the final fight a couple times, like I did, that room is really yeah, freaking annoying. Because really not only that, you have to get through that room, but then you also have to sit and wait for all the dialogue. So, thanks I, a lot. No idea. <laughs> yeah. It just, it, it baffled me. Going through there the first time, I'm like, this is weird. The second time, I'm like, this is really dumb. The third time, I'm like, get me <laughs> out of here. I cannot handle this anymore. Um... You brought this up in Zap Chats, but the Sphere Grid being the first link tree. Yeah, well, I really do agree that, or I really do think that it could be the first skill tree, skill tree. that exists. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the history well, yeah. of every <laughs> video game, but like... If you think of open world video games, they really didn't start coming out until like the PS3 era. And... If they were prior to that, they weren't very prominent. Um, maybe there were a couple like MMORPGs that were a little more um, like the open world stuff that we have now. But all the games that we have now have these skill trees where you can kind of open up and do things where you you gain experience and you can spend that those points in your skill tree and that's exactly how the spear grid is where you're you're deciding who learns what and how what road you want to take if you want titus to stray into Orin's uh Mm -hmm. Well, Spear Grid, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and... It gives you more of a feeling of, you're in control, you're doing this role play. Yeah, and you can kind of go where you want to, depending on what spheres you pick up along the way. Um, the... There's two different Sphere Grids yes. that you can pick in the HD version versus the... Um, the original version. So the I picked the original Sphere Grid, and you you picked the yes. new one. Um, the original Sphere Grid, you every character is given a very specific starting location, and you're kind of locked from going anywhere outside of that designated Sphere path um, until you've acquired stuff later on in the game. So when you first start off, every character has a very specific role to play. And every character has very specific enemies that they're designed right. to fight. And this plays off really well for the first half of the game until you get more experience and you get more tactics to fight right. enemies um, where, you know, that can be explored a little better. 
And, you know, then you then at that point it opens up where you can dip, you know, like Titus's path into Orin or Waka or however you want to go about that. And there's unique spheres to help you achieve those goals. You can either unlock them with a level unlock sphere at designed predetermined locations right. Or you could use, like, a friend sphere that will teleport you to where one of your other characters are at. Or you could use a teleport spear, sphere that would teleport you to any location that anyone else has been to. There's a return sphere where you can return to any point that that character has already been to. So there's so many locations, or there's so many ways for you to navigate this huge sphere grid. Um, and... There's so many options as far as, you know, what you want any one character to achieve, except for Kamari. <laughs> Kamari is dropped right in the middle of the sphere grid, and he has a very small, like, independent um, growth that he can go through. But then it kind of opens up to wherever you want to go. And, you know, depending on where you send Kamari that's kind of the direction his character will grow in. And it's really early in the game. So like you can have him be a black mage to support Lulu right. or Waka or anyone. And then he's just like a worse version of that character. And it kind of makes Kimari irrelevant in the entire game. Like he really is. Uh, I mean, his character is not irrelevant to the story, but <sighs> for well, he really is that extra character that, isn't really needed. He is important. He is the main reason. He's red. 13. Well. <laughs> like, eh, he, if he wasn't there, it wouldn't be a big deal. But, like, he has some story well, plot, so Oren it's okay. explains that he ran into Kimari after he had gotten injured from Blade Unaleska. And he climbed down Mount Gagazet, told Kimari, go to Bavel and find Yuna. And Kimari does, and Kimari stays with Yuna. So really, because of Kimari, Yuna was able to grow up the way she did. Mm -hmm. no, I, and there's I get a, it. he's got a really strong character. Uh, but as far as battle, I used him like two percent of the time. <laughs> I used him pretty pretty well. I, I tried to use him yeah. for the first half of the game. And, like, I was trying to level him up because I knew that you had that one fight where you have yeah. to use Kamari. And that fight can be really hard if you never use Kamari. So, I was using him up until that fight on Mount Gagazette. Which, again, we didn't even talk about him hardly at all in the story. Like, he's just kind of there. He has a little bit of a story where he's bullied by other um, Ronso. Ronsos. But, um... He has one fight where it's just him against these two other Ronsos, and if you haven't leveled up with him, it's kind of difficult. But, I, you I, know, I managed to level up with him, and then after that fight, I didn't use him again. Everyone has a specific function for all the types of fiends, except Kamari. And the reason it is, is because he, quote-unquote, knows the way of the fiend. He's your blue mage. He... Is the your enemy skill person, mm -hmm. which is fine if you like using those things, but like he's a weak hitter at first. There's not much magic, and even his lancet ability, which is how you learn the enemy skills, it's not even that strong. He's just kind of an inconvenience, and you only have three characters in play, and I don't want that third person being Kamari. 
Yeah, and his his ability to use enemy skills is irrelevant when the only time you can use it is with his overdrive. Yeah, I agree. What is the point? Like, I don't want to even use Kamari because I can't use any of those skills until his overdrive is up. And at that point, I have to use Kimari to get his overdrive up. So, like, why? Why would I use him? I had Kimari's overdrive up when I, in case I needed it, because he had Mighty Guard, which was helpful to me. Um, the only time he was otherwise useful was when my other characters were low on HP and I just needed someone a little healthier to, <laughs> to help pick up the rest of the party. The, he was otherwise an inconvenience. The, the only time I really used him is if I needed a quick black mage when Lulu's MP See, was low. I had him take, <laughs> That's it. I had him take Oren's path, hoping that... Because, you know, he has piercing item or weapon. Makes sense. And so I thought, well, if I can up his strength, maybe I can have Kumari and Oren tag team it. Well, the problem is, is Oren's specific enemy doesn't actually come up that often. Like, and then I just have Oren. I don't need two Orens, not really. I mean, that can be said for any character. Yeah, absolutely. You don't, you're uh, never, he's not needed. You're never really without one of those characters unless they're dead. But if they're dead, you're probably in a worse state anyway. Yeah. Like, even if they die during battle and you have a victory or you flee, then... They're they're back to life. It's not like they're infinitely dead. So then you just heal them and you're done. Like it's Kimari is just pointless. I, End of story. <laughs> although uh, speaking of types of characters, uh, Riku, I like what they did with the the thief uh, role, mm-hmm. if you will. I think that her mixing items and you get there's so many specific items that are used for customizing but what's nice is they're not items that your other characters would normally be able to use which makes her special exactly and i i liked that it added a little bit of extra oomph to that role as a thief that thief uh like what are they called or they're the drag or uh my words are hard today. You know, uh, you've got your your fighter and your your mage. Where the thief uh, jobs, there, there yeah, you go. The job it. is it. The thief, kind of, in my opinion, always fell short in past video games, where it made sense here. She didn't attack very hard, but she was quick. She was stealthy, and she very could mix. fast. Yes, very, very, very fast. Helpful. If you put Haystaga on. Riku is out like every like My? like two turns every other turn. It's like Riku, Riku, Yuna, Riku, Riku, Titus, Riku, Riku, Yuna. Like she My just was out like crazy. Riku I chose the other sphere grid, the new one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know I, I know that hers tends to get close to full life. I think but I had her do uh auto life. I had her get out of life because she was there and I got a weapon that was one MP cost. <laughs> so, and I didn't even use it because I ended up being OP anyway mm-hmm. from other reasons, yeah. but I could have went into that battle and had her cast auto life on everyone and we would have been fine. <laughs> oh Isn't man, that that's nice. 
So I didn't get like any specialty magic at all when I played. Um, I didn't get any of the extra aeons. I didn't do anything above and, and yeah, beyond the main game. you put how many hours? And you put in more hours than I did. I did, yeah. I, I got all the special aeons. And, you know, I botched Yuna's sphere grid so bad. Wow. I don't know what happened. I The problem is, uh, your characters have a new... The, the layout's different. I mean... It's the same concept, the same layout, but mm-hmm. like the actual spheres are different. Uh, but they kind of follow. You still have your immediate, you know, your first stages of magic, Kira, Kira, Kiraga. Mm-hmm. But you can branch out a little bit easier to different magics. So for a while, Yuna had like Thunderaga and Fireaga, which was nice. And Lulu also had like life. That was very helpful. Well, I must have followed a path I shouldn't have. Because I completely bypassed Kira. <laughs> and her HP was bad. Like, I had to start using the HP nodes. And she just was a weak character. Like, her, she was even weaker than Kamari for a while. She was my strongest character yeah, on the second half of the game. Yeah, I said that. And once I was able to really get her on the right path, it was great. But I had to use almost all my specialty spheres on Yuna. Because I... And I even tried going back to revisit, and I did get Kira, but like, I mean, at that point, I should have just went for Kiraga, but it just seemed so incomplete at that point. Yeah. But it just was so, I I just, I botched it up really bad. What was your party for like, end game content? What what were you mainly um, using? I was... I mean, I know that you can use all of them yeah. at any given battle, which is a unique trait to this game, but... Orin was always in my party... And I shifted between Yuna, Titus, and Riku. Because Yuna and Titus learned... Titus learned Mug, and Yuna used Steel and Use. And, of course, Riku had those. So Mm. when I needed a bunch of an item, those three were out. Um, And then, you know, as I needed my Black Mage or hitting aerial enemies, I, I swapped out the others. But for the most part, Riku could take care of some, like some of, the, of both Wakas and Lulus. So I just throw a fire gem or whatever, you know, mm-hmm, whatever kind yeah. of a gem, and so really it just was, you know, as needed. But like Titus threw a haste Aga on everyone, or a new slow Aga. I mean, mm-hmm. I I just buffed Titus up a little bit more for his attacks, and I was set. So interesting. So my character list was mainly Orin, Yuna, and whoever. <laughs> whoever needed. I needed. Um, I mean, Orin was kind of swappable too, but Yuna was out, especially the second half of the game, Yuna was out all the time. Interesting. And that's mainly because I it dawned on me that Yuna's magic stat is insane. So like, why wouldn't I make her learn all the, all the magic Agas and have her be my black mage for the second half of the game. So that's exactly what I did. As soon as Lulu got the Agas, I used the black mate or the black magic spheres, got all four of those. And then, and then Lulu eventually made her way to Flare, and so, so did flare. I did get Flare. F- but Flare is Lulu's final magic. It's it's a normal magic. You know, it's not blocked by four oh, level see. four I spheres. I never got Flare. Um. So 
was close. Lulu, I had... Well, no, I didn't even have Lulu get Flare. I think I had... Riku? No, I think it was Waka. I think Waka got... Waka ends at Lulu's sphere oh, grid, okay. or gets really close to it. So, so I had Waka go back and unlock that level three key, uh, key yeah. sphere. Then I had Yuna teleport to his location, go over and get Flare. Then I had Lulu teleport <laughs> to her location and get Flare. So, like all three of those had Flare. Playing I only Flare really party. needed it on Yuna because Yuna was my main black mage, just because her magic stat was so high. So when I went into the final fight, that was kind of my like go-to stuff. Yeah. My go-to strategy was like Yuna casts Flare as much as possible. Uh, Riku was kind of doing the like magic, or she was doing the curing because she was so fast, and I had a ton of like X potions and Albed potions and easy stuff to just yeah. throw out there because I was stealing all the time. Um, so yeah, and then Oren was such a heavy hitter that, like, especially on the final boss, yeah. like, he was doing just as much as Yuna was doing flares, so like, why wouldn't I? Um, but yeah, it, it took a couple times for me to fight the final boss, like before I had a decent strategy down, but once I got a rhythm, I was okay. Like the second half of the final boss, he gets a lot harder because his, mm -hmm. his overdrive changes. So it, it hits harder, but also he has way more HP. So like you have to like those, those pillars on the side of him. Yeah. Like the second half of the of the fight, you don't even worry about the pillars. Just attack him. Do you want to know how I beat the end boss? Yeah, go for it. Tell me. I threw out a few limit or overdrives. I threw out one or two summons, and then I proceeded to annihilate him with the Maga Sisters. Nice. It wasn't even a fight. <laughs> and they, I got through the first half of his thing. You know, it was like, ah, it's, it'll be a little difficult to find. I busted them out thinking that they would go really quick. Oh no, they just, they not only did they, they had fun. They had, they had a ball. <laughs> they had so much fun, and the whole time I'm thinking, cause I, I read that if you let them do as they will, they're more motivated to keep fighting. Well, I kept doing that. And of course, freaking Cindy, the big ladybug, the whole time is resting. And I was sitting there swearing at her the whole time. <laughs> like, of course you're resting. You need to off your fat butt and do something. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And I can't believe she's just sitting there. And of course, the whole time, the other two are like just pulling everyone else along. It's fine. But I didn't really realize it until their limit, their overdrives all came up in sync. So it was like, oh, well, I'm pretty sure they can, they do break the, the damage limit, so we'll see how much it does. Eliminated them. It was embarrassing. <laughs> it was embarrassing for sin. <laughs> wow. Just absolutely annihilated. It was barely even... It was just like watching someone else fight for me, basically, because it was. They completely annihilated them. Uh, the hardest part was just waiting to get through all my summons at the end. It was my yeah my fight so i knew because he told me that i knew that the mega sisters was like an easy somewhat easy yeah. strategy from a back pocket like yeah. i could go in i could go i could run, run back i could sell that. i could sell all my crap and i could get yojimbo pretty quick i could hunt down anima pretty easily and then i could do the stuff to do mega sisters 
I knew that that was a possibility, so it's like, eh, I'll see how it goes. Seymour went down super fast. Yeah. Um, All the enemies in the area went down super fast. So I'm like, I've got this. It shouldn't be a problem. I go into the final fight, and the first round I fight him, and he... um, I had a really bad luck streak. He killed... Uh, Riku with stone like and then I'm down a character and so that that went really fast and then after one character's gone he does like 17 moves in a row and then his overdrive is up and then his overdrive is up and then and then you're dead so I'm like okay well the first time was it was what it was I'll try again (laughs) so I didn't I didn't change anything I just went straight back for him and tried it again because like he killed me so fast that time I got to the second stage, and it took a lot longer, but he kind of did the same thing, where I was fighting the stone stuff. I was fighting yeah. Petrify, and then he killed Riku with Petrify again. And that and then, eliminates the character. You right, see. yeah, you, you can't, two characters yeah, you can't do nothing about it. You All you can do is, you know, use the two characters' slots that you have. Um... So then, yeah, that eventually wiped me out. I fought really hard. I struggled with that oh. fight to try and keep up, but it wasn't happening. So then um, the third time I went into it with, like, stoneproof stuff because I couldn't take yeah. it. Like, no more Petrify, please. So that fight went significantly smoother. I mean, I beat it. Um, but it still took me a good, like almost an hour to kill him just because he has so much HP and every round he's healing himself too at the same time. So it's like, I'm attacking him down, then he'd heal himself and then I'd have to heal me and then I'd take him down and then he'd heal himself and I'd have to heal me. So it was a slow process, but once I had, again, I had the rhythm, I knocked him down and then we had it done. Um, Yevin, you Yevin was hard too. Not, because he kept killing me, which was fine because you have auto yeah. auto life indefinitely. But he would heal himself nine 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 nine, but my attacks were doing nine 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 nine. Did you know you could put reflect on him? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. But um so like every time I was doing that, it just it, yeah. it, he was just healing himself. The best thing that happened was at some point he got all of the brakes on him. It must have been oh, an automatic yes. thing that happened. And his um, his Kiraga was doing like half. So then I was doing 9999 and he was healing like 500 yeah. or 5000. So then I was slowly Creeping able to whittle there. his health down. If I'd have known I could use Reflect, I'd have done that. But I didn't know. Sorry. So it's fine. But yeah, like that fight too took me like oh, way longer than it probably should have. But, I mean, again, I beat it. Like, that's all that mattered. At the end of the day, I don't care how I did it. I did it. Um, I do wish there was more relevant side quest stuff. Yeah, we were talking about this a little bit. Before the podcast, yeah. There is a lot of stuff you can do on the side. Especially, like, if you're 100%ing it. Yeah, there is. You've got Omega Ruins. But it all feels empty, though. Your your argument, which is fair, is that there's nothing pertaining to the story really afterwards. Like no it's, side quest. It's not or- even. It's not even that. Like yeah, there is nothing that really, really supports the story a whole lot. There's a little bit when you get the aeons, like 
Anima has a little bit to do with Seymour. Um, Yojimbo is just an interesting character. Um, but there's nothing like meaty about that. There's no it, real but, good story about yeah, it. Yeah, there's nothing like really like learning anything about right. Unalesca or just something deeper to, you know, fill that Be need. To make you want to right, do this. Right, right. And then you look at like the other side quest stuff, like um, getting all of the celestial weapons. Half of those are tedious and boring and hard. Why would I do that? Like, I don't. There's yeah. nothing, if, if it's not fun, why in the world would I do it? It's not going to, obviously, it didn't really hurt me to ha- to not have it, because right. I was able to beat the game without all that equipment, without the extra Aeons. I did it. Like, it was, it was a fight. Honestly, it might have been more fun than the way you did it. Yeah. So, like, you know, why would I go through all that tedious work to... When you can already it, be... And, and, it, yeah. and it wasn't even fun. Like, I, I just don't understand. Um, so, uh, you know, again, the side stuff is there. If you wanted 100%, if you love this game so much and you just want to be in it, awesome. But for me, when I'm looking at all this side stuff, I'm like, and I have, to do, I have to do a lot of battles to collect all those enemies, or I have to play that stupid Chocobo game a hundred million times, or oh, man. I have to dodge lightning bolts 200 times. You, like, it's just stupid. You played that Chocobo game so many times. At one point, I'm like, I have to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was pretty much done. It was, I, this was funny. I just, my, my thought process was I wanted to give it a fair shot, Yeah, and I wanted to play it as much as I could, as much as I, my, as much as my patience would allow me to play. And I'm like, maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and I'll hit like a perfect score, you know, really quick and then I can get an easy yeah. celestial weapon. But no, it didn't happen. I didn't care. So <laughs> I moved on. Yes. Oh man. Gameplay, gameplay. Um, I liked seeing the turn list on the yeah, battles. Yeah, that was nice. It just... It gave you an idea of how to strategize and well and it made you see how when you put a delay buster on how it or how you yep. had haste and they had options like there's a, a quick hit option which meant that you could attack and have a quicker return rate of your character getting another I was movement. wondering what that was. Um and they also had quick quick use item or something like that where it did the same thing. So it is it was nice being able to visually see and like on the airship, you get to see where Sid is getting ready to actually move your airship and stuff. Like it's nice knowing how to time out your stuff. Right. So this game is very different in the way of the, the way they did the battle system turn based. It's just turn based. Like you can sit with Titus active indefinitely, and there is no like active time to that. Um. So, you know, it takes the stress off of you to be quick in your menus to pick the right stuff, but also it gives you time to, like, really strategize because you can see your turns. You can really think about how this next move is going to affect the rest Mm -hmm. of the fight. And that felt good. That felt really good, especially when you plan stuff out and you're like, I think I can pull this off. And then you do, and it's so rewarding. It's so nice. Yes. Um, 
And then, you know, when you screw up and you look and you see boss, boss, yeah. boss, boss, <laughs> boss, it's like, oh, no. Well, you know, too, uh, the Aeons having the option of delaying a turn on your enemies, so they'll attack you. Yeah. Enemies. That's nice. What's what's the one that Valfour does? Sonic's, Sonic Wings, Sonic Wings, yeah. It's like, um, oh, yeah. If you and, wanna, like, you could do that for yeah. a long time. You could kill the enemies, and you could also bump up your overdrive at the same time. Yep. By the end, I just sit there, the same thing over <laughs> and over. Yeah. Um, interesting. The Aeons level up with, with Yuna. Yuna. But also, towards the end of the game, you get, uh, I, I think it's with the Magus sisters, maybe, where uh, you can... You get the, uh, you get, like, the summoner's soul or something, yeah, and it gives where you, you the can option to... Beef you mo- you can, stats. You can organize their attributes, which is their stats, and you get the option to... This is, you get two, I think, two. For, first one, you get to... To deal with their attributes. The next one, you get to help them learn moves. So if you want Bahamut to learn haste, or if you want Shiva, you could do that. You could do that pretty early in the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, you could do that early in the game. I think when you, uh, it's when you're fighting Lady Belgameme or whatever her name. Yeah, whatever her name is. Where you're fighting, you're training your summons. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And she she shows you how to allow them to learn new abilities, but the the abilities were like stupid expensive. Yeah. So I never did it, and then it became a point of what's the point of even summoning if all I'm gonna do is their overdrive. Yes. "Eh." I don't know. Sometimes (laughs) it was nice to like bump up some HP when I really needed it. But what I liked, what that to me added was another element that I got to control as a player. Because you get to customize your weapons and armor, and you got to customize the sphere grids and how you wanted them to go, and you got to customize, like, you know, your Aeons and stuff, and, like, that's... And not only that, but they grow with Yuna, so when you're growing Yuna, I mean, it's just, it's nice. There's a good balance of what you control. It's crazy how much customization is in this game. I mean, at some point... Everything gets maxed out, and every right. everything is basically the same. Like you could max out every single character to have all the same stuff, yep. all the same maxed out stats. All of them have you know breaking HP boundaries and damage boundaries, and you know then every character is basically the same. But until that point, you have so much like strategy going on mm-hmm. in your head, and every fight is a little bit unique, and you know. Even the Aeons, because they play as characters, if they die, at least it's not Titus, at least it's not Yuna, you know, so you have that opportunity if, like, you're, like, for the final fight, Jet's overdrive was full for me. He had, like, 10,000 HP left. I could have killed him pretty quick. And I'm like, okay... I need to figure out a way so he doesn't kill me before I kill him. So I brought out an Aeon because that Aeon could take on the brunt of that attack. And if the Aeon dies, eh, that's all right. I can, I can sacrifice one Aeon for the better, for the better majority of my game. What's nice about that too is (laughs) you worry that it would be a little OP in that regard too. But like when that Aeon's done in that fight, it's, done so yeah. like it sucks when you're, you're limited yeah. yeah but you know you don't want to be you want to be limited to a certain degree mm-hmm. you need to have the challenge of you know you want to have a good time i guess i don't know it's just you know it's not 
I mean, Yuna is in control of really a whole nother set of characters. Exactly. To a certain degree. And you don't want it to be. And there's no real downside to them dying. Like the only downside to them dying is you can't use them anymore. Where like, if your characters die, they don't get AP. Plus you got to heal them back up where like the Aeons. Yeah. eh, Whatever. You know, they're just, they, they're irrelevant. Um, it, it's, it makes it really nice. It makes for that extra deeper level of strategy that yeah. other games just didn't have. The only other problem I had with gameplay is that sometimes the camera views. Oh, they were terrible. Yeah. yeah they weren't the best. Yeah. You'd be walking down a hallway and next thing you know, you gotta be like, you you're turned around. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's weird. We kind of oh. talked. Oh, go ahead. Oh no! I don't want to talk about Blitzball. There's, I mean, we don't, we don't really have to go into much detail. It's well, just, it's not very well done. The good news is Blitzball is entirely optional, aside from one game, and that one game you have to play. And if you lose, no one cares, and most of us lose, so no one cares. <laughs> um, there yeah, no, is, like there is no proper tutorial. There they is. Have, they have the tutorial, but it's like they're like, "Hey, read all these insane rules. Good luck." They don't. They, I they went do through the tutorial, did you? thinking that that might help me, and then I learned. Not. I learned that it's all stat based, and that the other team has the advantage. And once I realized this, I'm like, "Done. I'm never gonna play it again." Like, cause I kind of thought, okay, I'm playing this for the podcast. I want to get as much about it as possible. Let's try and do the Blitzball stuff periodically. Maybe I'll try and get more characters. Kind of like what I did with the, uh, the card games and the other games. So like I, I did the card games periodically, like to just play it. This game is not like the card game (laughs) at all. It's boring. Yeah. You have very little control over what happens. The stats are not stacked in your favor. Uh, apparently, ev- as you collect better players, it gets stupid easy, and then it's like a guaranteed win every single time, which is nice because there are some like perks to playing it. You get specialty items and mm-hmm. stuff that you can't get anywhere else. But Blitzball is such a crap of a game that there's no reason anyone would really want to play it unless they are either, one, trying to get those items, or two, have like some sort of weird personality disorder that they think that Blitzball is a fun <laughs> game. <laughs> the last time I played Final Fantasy X, which has been several years, I actually was able to play Blitzball and understand it. I retained none of that. Really? None. It's, it's not that hard to understand, like... I, Basically, if you're if they're doing this item, then the stats have to match up. Sometimes there's a random like extra bit in there, but like for the most part, it is what it is. Like it either hits or it doesn't hit, and yeah. it's all stat based. So if you if you're going for a shot, and this was the problem that I had, I didn't shoot at all when I played because all of my stats were terrible, and the goalie hit every single one. Yeah. And then, like, the flip, the opposite happened every time the opposing side went to take a hit. And I'm like, there's no way. 
The, honestly, I am not a sports person. I hate sports. I think it's very boring. It was like sitting and watching a football game to me. <laughs> I might as well have been watching a football game. Yeah, it just, it's... <laughs> it was not... You know, I almost wish there was, like, commentary going know, on in the background. Because yeah. at least, like, or just some, like, them joking around and making... And I think they kind of oh, do... Oh, what's maybe, Titus doing? He's an idiot. Yeah. They kind of do have commentary in the, like the the story portion of it yeah. but like the gameplay portion of it there's no commentary it's, it's just dumb. boring it's yeah. so boring yeah. yeah but thankfully they did make it optional yeah, for the most part yeah you only have to play that one game and even that yeah i think that's the first time you actually get to play blitzball so like it's not like you're going into it well i'm well practiced yeah like, no one's well practiced at that did point because you, you don't play did you get the jet shot did yeah you do I that? Did. yeah i did i tried really hard to get it i did it on the first try because i thought it was going to be all hard and it wasn't but yeah i i got it and didn't use it yep naturally <laughs> yep um last thing um the seymour F- fight on mount gagazette is really hard. And then I think I did it like three times, give or take. And then I realized that Riku can use fire gems. Oh yeah. And fire gems does like 500 times five to Seymour. And it made it stupid easy. (laughs) Like haste on Riku fire gems all day long seymour just like ate a bunch of fire gems uh, and went uh, to sleep uh. yeah i know, you know <laughs> the sound is really funny uh did you know that you could cast poison on him i did on this uh, on his final form yeah i re- i remembered that from the last time i had played so i threw poison on him all the time and man poison does a lot of damage i'm sure it probably helped turn. yeah of course it does a lot of damage when it's on your characters too but it right. is kind of nice yeah there was a certain imbalance in certain ways, but on the other hand, it was well balanced otherwise too. Like it's the, gonna be difficult. The basic fighting and gameplay overall is pretty solid. It's gotta be difficult making up new stuff and making sure it's well balanced. Yeah. Cause you know, sometimes it does fall short. So Well, the funny thing is, this is the last turn-based Final yeah. Fantasy game. So like in the main series anyway. Yeah. So like after this, their turn based is no more. And every game is vastly different yeah. from the game before. So, you know, when I, I don't know what 11 is like, I've never ever played 11, but like 12, vastly different yeah. from 10. You know, 13, vastly different from 12, 10, yeah. and anything before it. Like, so we're never going to see this battle system again. <gasps> sad <laughs> in the final fantasy yeah. main series um and i think that this was a very solid way to go out with it i do wish that it was a little bit speedier and 10-2 i guess i lie oh, well 10 is not technically a main series game right like it's a it's a sequel yeah. to a main series game but like 10-2 i think perfected it 
even even more yeah. so. Like it's it's I played I was going through and testing a, a bunch of games that I have laying around and 102 was in that lot that I was testing. And 102's battle system is so fast yeah. and it's so smooth and it, it's flu oh it's just it feels good. <laughs> we'll definitely have to play it. Yeah, I'm excited to play it. A lot of people give 102 crap and I I think it's fun. I th- I think <laughs> I think we'll enjoy it. Well, you want to move on to music? I gave it a 10. 10, 10, 10. Final Fantasy 10. It, there, it, it's great. It's a Final Fantasy game. You see, music is almost too easy because, like, unless we're sitting here and, like, sing the songs, like, it's all you can really say is, like, really good songs, amazing songs. Ca- I don't want to say catchy because it, some of them are catchy, but, like, perfect for. The kind like your location it's, it's and themed really well, yeah. just um, well done. The only one that really got on my nerves was the battle system one, just because. Da, da, oh, da, I forgot da, to talk about that for the battle oh, system no. for the gameplay. Real quick, I want to mention how terrible yeah, the enemy encounter. The rate. enemy encounter rate is it insane. Gets, it gets worse the farther you go. I swear. It. At one point, you finally get weapons for no encounters, and it was the best decision I made. I thought I I thought that there was some somewhere because I kind of remembered doing that before, but I had no idea how to get them. I didn't know where they were. I didn't have any, so like I was struggling with random encounters up until oh, the end. I'm sorry, and it just it hurt like yeah. every two steps. Ch- yeah. At one point, I just started fleeing. I because Titus, if I put if I took Riku out of my party and just said Titus, I was doing well. See that I was I was actually using Riku. Riku would go first, Yuna would go second, and Titus would go third. So I would do steal, steal, flee. Yeah, yeah. So then at least I'm like taking stuff stuff with me. (laughs) Sorry, little tangent from gameplay, but I wanted to make sure that was known that I hated the random encounter rate. It was too much. Back to music. Still amazing. I liked the Pyrefly sounds. Ah. Oh, I know. They like scream. Ah. Ah. I was doing that one day and one of our cats came running to me like, are you okay? What's wrong with you? I'm like, oh, I'm just Pyrefying. The Pyreflies, it's sad because they're kind of like souls, but... They're so pretty and iridescent, and it's such an innocent little. Ah. And when you kill an enemy, that like little explosion yeah. of pyreflies, and then they all go like. When sin is defeated, you hear all the pyreflies, and it's it's horrible, but it's sort of adorable. Yeah. You hear them all going. Ah. <laughs> um, they actually. <sighs> Around here, I've seen fireworks that are fireflies. Oh, really? They make the same sound and everything. Uh, and they, they like, uh, we used to call them ghosts. Oh. So, like, they would go off and there are these, like, white firework streaks and they would, like, zigzag yeah. across the sky. And they usually came out in, like, sets of five. And they'd all, like, go, oh. ah, And they're like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like the fireflies. Cute. Sorry. No. Tangent. Um, the hymn used as a plot was kind of interesting the i mean it wasn't the best you know (laughs) you're joking but you and i both know that we have sung that at times we weren't even playing this game (laughs) just go around like we can sing it i know but 
it, to have it as like an actual plot thing is kind of interesting. Sure, anyway. yeah. Just an interesting thing on the side. Um, the only other thing that I really wrote down of interest, I think, would be the in-battle dialogue of occasionally if you've got like certain characters in your party, they'll have dialogue between each other or they'll just say something like, <sighs> like, that's a big bird or something like that. that, that that's yeah, kind of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. And just, I liked that. It was interesting. I won't go so easy on you next time. No, not so much those, <laughs> but yes. Women let live. <laughs> I just, uh, I have a video that I took that I had saved from my Switch. And Orin, oh, it opens the battle and Orin goes, I hate this place. <laughs> I was like, that's me. <laughs> I, I love <also>. Orin. <laughs> I hate this place. Yes, I too. I think I was in Xanarkand. <laughs> um, the... The voice acting was. <sighs> okay, so everyone makes fun of that, but like, and it makes sense. It's just, it does. It does make sense with the right context. With the it with was the correct still context. Cringe to me. It is, but only because I feel like we've made it cringe. Maybe. Like it's it's designed to be an awkward scene, right? So like, the context is there. Okay, if I'm fake laughing, I am not fake laughing like that. But but that's the whole entire purpose. So Titus is sad because of his dad or something. <laughs> and he's he's complaining to Yuna about this. He's mad about Oren. Oren has joined and he's forced to Oh yeah, but I guess he would be mad about Yeah, his it was dad. something about his anyway. anyway, he's he's whining and complaining to Yuna about it. And Yuna's just like, you know, when I'm having days where I don't want to feel happy, I put on a <laughs> smile, and if I can't put on a smile, I force myself to laugh. And the whole idea was forcing yourself to laugh makes you... It, it's so awkward that it yeah. makes you genuinely laugh and genuinely smile. And i that's the direction they were heading with this scene, is that, you know... <laughs> You know, yeah. it's funny, it's goofy, it's weird, it's yeah. meant to be. <laughs> so, you know, that scene, its it's been given a lot of hate from the memes lately, <laughs> but it's not as bad of a scene as people make it up to be. Um, but but overall, actors... the voice acting is not bad, Yeah, but sometimes it is. Yeah. <laughs> the worst thing that I noticed, and I don't think it's a voice actor issue as much as it is a... Um, programming issue but sometimes titus would talk normal and other times he would talk at like double triple speed and it made scenes like really awkward i know what you're talking i have i i know exactly what you're talking about probably know exactly which scenes you're talking about and he just it's like he would talk like this and then really quick <laughs> yeah yeah and it and, and it didn't make sense in the context it didn't make sense from even a programming point of view. There was plenty of time to make that statement in the cutscene transition. So why? One of the times he's actually just talking inside his head, or like the monologue that he does while you're he's telling his story, and he says something along the lines of, "I wanted to see this place again." But with you know by my side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Why was that part so quickly? <laughs> but with you know by my side. I was like, oh my gosh. That's the one. That's the one that I was thinking of too. Yeah. I just don't understand. But again, otherwise, for the most part, 
for this being the first Final Fantasy game that was entirely voice acted, pretty yeah. solid job. Orin's my favorite. They they all sound really good. I really like Riku's voice actor. Mm-hmm. I think she, Riku sounds really just a, like a friendly, you know, bubbly character, yeah. and I I appreciate that. I think it's fun. I think she adds. She adds a bit of humor just yeah. with her like bubbliness. Well, she works. Very, she compliments Titus's goofy side. Yeah, she does. You know whose voice actor that I really like to listen to talk to? Lady Unaluska. <laughs> it's like the way she articulate articulated She's, her words was like, man, I could listen to her read an audiobook. She's very adult female sounding like mature like yeah. a mature sexy female it's, voice it's like even that. i don't know it's, it's weird it's just she it's like she's reading this formally like if I, she was reading formal text and she's yeah. her voice like the way she would pop some of her letters and phonics is just like man that's so like I don't know how to explain it. It was like almost ASMR for talking. I don't know. It was weird, but I liked it. <laughs> the only voice actor that bothered me probably the most would be Jets. And it's simply because he sounds like an announcer for a movie coming this fall. Like, it's hey, literally <laughs> it's literally he, that voice. Like, the movie announcer voice. I... It's kind of fitting in a certain way because he... He's such a rough guy. And yeah, it it is. What I think is really funny is... Uh, the sound music aside, this is one of the things that drives me nuts about Jet's character design is he's all scratched up and damaged, and he was like that before he arrived to Spira. What happened? <laughs> what happened to this poor how guy? How bad was he? Like, how Bloodsball's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he's it's funny. Like, roughed up. It's funny that you bring that up because I noticed. And I kind of had that, like, sub-thought of, man, what happened to him? But, like, you forming it into spoken word is just like, yes, me too. (laughs) I need to know what happened to him. Why is he so scarred up? They're Supposedly, they're a dream. So, like, what? They obviously don't have any enemies there. Okay, no, they're dreamt up. Yes. But they still live their lives in Xanarkin. So they're not like a dream. They're just. <sighs> they're within a controlled environment, though. They're, it's almost like a simulation. It's not. Now, don't think of it as dreaming. Think of it as a program simulation. Right. And Titus is a character in that program simulation. And, but, but yeah, like, there's probably no fiends in this program simulation. There might have been, but probably not. I don't know. Again, that's going back to just the unexplained. So we, can, we can sit and turn this over a hundred million times. <laughs> yes. Um, Sute Ki Dane. Or no. Sute Ki Dane. I'm so sorry. Yes, that song, I really like it. Yeah, um, I it's not the kind of song that I would necessarily like listen to just like in the car or anything, but like it sets <laughs> a really good mood in the game, and perfect timing. Yeah, perfect atmosphere. And good like song. the the 
um, the lyrics fit pretty well to the atmosphere of the song too. It just it, it's yeah a solid song for this game. Uh, and and they've been doing this audio um, like a like a high quality performed yeah. song since Final Fantasy VIII. So like this isn't a new feature that they've done, but this one is probably the best yeah. one out of them. Very iconic, yes. Um. Otherwise, Seymour's theme for you that mean final the man with the machine gun. That's what I was gonna say. So you, you you have all the credit for that. I didn't even think about it till you said it. I was like, oh, it is yes. So yeah, Seymour's theme in Final Fantasy X, his the the final fight with Seymour, is essentially man with the machine gun remix. And, like, when you listen to it, you, you don't really notice it, but you're like, man, this is jamming. And then all of a sudden, for me, it just, like, clicked, and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. This is just made yeah. with a machine gun, just, like, a remix of it. It's, like, the same, like, sound, yeah. the same rhythm, the same, like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, it's just a remix of a Both song I've already heard. are amazing songs. They are. They're yeah. They're perfectly good in their own right, but, like... I mean, I prefer the original, I think. Yeah. Seymour's theme is really good. I love the intro, the, like, the chimes that yeah. kick Dun that... Dun yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that kick that song off is really cool and is very Actually, Final Fantasy X, the but... The only song that I don't like about Seymour's is the, like, ambient, like, you know, when he's I, walking into a room, he's got that creepy music going on. Oh, yeah. The the music Dun of, this is a villain. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, his actual battle music for all of them are really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Which, if you're going to be fighting a guy multiple times, they better be good. <laughs> yeah. So. It's funny, because this one is the first one where the final boss isn't, like, the main antagonist. Yeah. Like, you're, I mean, I guess to some degree from Titus's perspective, he is the main antagonist, but, you know, it's, it's neat to see that Seymour, he's just an evil person and you're taking down just like a regular evil person who has like higher magic stats <laughs> where like yeah. Jet is like not an evil person, but like the concept of him being sin is what's evil, yeah. you know? I don't know. It's just yeah, interesting take. Uh, so yeah, music ten out of ten. Ten great, out of ten. Great, great stuff overall. I just I can't imagine it being any better music musically. Musically. <laughs> so what'd you give it for overall? Overall, I gave it a nine out of ten. I also gave it a nine out of ten. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, there's a few things that would have been a little better. I it's funny because I I struggle with the score because every time I sat down to play this game, I wasn't like super excited to play. But having beat it, I'm really, I really love the story. Um, I really like the world that they've constructed and the mm -hmm. lore behind it. And I'm glad that they've made a 10 2. I don't remember 10 2's story so super well, like as far as the world building perspective. Um, but to know that there is a sequel to this game that you know you can see the progress that Spira has made is really cool you know because here now the way that they've ended 10 you have the eternal calm and now people are free to build cities and grow right. and you know really 
propel themselves forward in life instead of being knocked down yep. every 10 years. Um, did you know that there was an interview done? And I think the question came up if there was a possibility of a 10-3. And they said that it, the imp- there was never... It was never not impossible, and people had speculated what 10-3 would be about. They actually just recently confirmed that 10-3's story is already fleshed out. Really? That 10-3 has been, like, conceptualized for years, and they just have never had the budget or the time to be able to do it. You know what I would really like out of a 10-3 would be a prologue. Of Braska, that would be story. really cool. That would be very, very cool. I don't think that's what it is, but that would be uh, really. They cool. always talked about a ten three being Riku's story. Mm. Um, I don't know what that would entail, but I would like to see Titus come back. Yeah, I think that would be. cool. I think they mocked up some uh, design of what they would look like, and they I had seen him, and that it was would be interesting. Cool. Yeah. What what these characters would look like with today's technology, that would be really yeah. cool. I wonder if they would keep a lot of it similar to Final Fantasy X. I don't know. Mm, I don't know. I don't know, man. But it's done. We're done with Final yeah. Fantasy. Final Fantasy X. Um, Forty-seven out of fifty. Oh yeah, forty forty-seven out of fifty for me too. So it's a nine point four out of ten. So that's that's pretty yeah. good. I mean, it's not Chrono Trigger, you but... Know, the, see, that was the thing we were scoring, because this game was not perfect. There was a lot of stuff, but it was still really good. Yeah, and I think that that says a lot for the game as a whole, right? Like, it's... Every individual item is solid in its own right. Yeah, there's downfalls. And yeah, it's not as perfected and polished as it probably could have been but it still needs we still (laughs) we still very much enjoyed our time playing it obviously i mean the scores it is what it is i and like i even tried to go through because i kind of felt like i don't know being so close to a perfect score doesn't seem right because I don't know if I enjoyed it that much, but you start thinking about, well, where would I knock it down and why would I knock it down any lower than a nine? Like I can't, I I can't like, there's no reason to. So, you know, really obviously the game stands for itself. Like it, it really is a decent game to play. It doesn't, it's not surprising that they've ported it out as many times as they have. Um, and I, if there is a ten three, I absolutely would yeah. jump on it. I mean, I, I, I'm, at this point, it's been so long that I can't imagine how they would play it out. But it would be cool. It would yeah. be cool. And I mean, I could see us playing ten two very soon. I mean, not you know tomorrow, but <laughs> I've already beaten it, Danny. <gasps> what? <laughs> I don't think it's that long. I think it's shorter than Final oh, really? Fantasy ten. Yeah. Um, so yeah, guys, thanks all so much for listening to this podcast episode. I know it's been a long one. Thanks for sticking it out. Um, our next podcast episode right now is planned to be Pocahontas. Um, the next couple months are going to be really busy for me personally. I, I got a couple of vacation planned, um, and just like the holidays are starting to sneak up on us too, yeah. which is insane. So, um, 
for the next foreseeable uh, uh, podcast episodes, they're probably going to be a little bit smaller games like Pocahontas. Uh, it's Disney's Pocahontas on the Sega Genesis, which will be our first and uh. only Sega Genesis game so far. So that's fun. Yeah. I, I've never actually played a Sega Genesis game all the way through ever in my entire life. Cause we played, we grew up on yeah. Super Nintendo, so yep. it'll be a new experience for us. Um, the next RPG, we haven't really decided. There's so many options. There's so many options. We have talked about possibly playing Final Fantasy 11 towards the beginning of next year. Uh, but we'll let you guys know as we come up on that. Uh, we have played the first nine, now ten Final Fantasy yep. games. So if you want to listen to those podcast episodes, make sure you check us out at zapnight.com where you can see all of our past podcast episodes. But we don't just do RPGs. We also do all sorts of stuff like Pocahontas that's coming up next. <laughs> but also um, we've done the Spyro series. We've done some Resident Evil. We've done... Um, cool Spot. Cool Spot. <laughs> some, old, some older ones. Yeah. So check us out if any of that sounds interesting. Uh, let us know what you think. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Bye.